Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 182 of the Argument Podcast. I'll be your host today, Patrick. And joining me today are my three caught on camera co hosts. It is Johanathan. It is uh, found in the dirt, covered by the dirt, eating the dirt, Colt. Um, it's Blair Witch Wenzel. And we're keeping right on the spooky track with our third week of spooky content in October. And much like the same vein of last year when we talked about the subgenre of J-horror, we're talking about another subgenre of horror movies today, and that's found footage horror movies. Woo, 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 woo. So, like, found footage is a bit of a, um, I would say, controversial or... Uh, it's it's very frowned upon, and because, you know, like, especially after Paranormal Activity, there were just so many of these movies, and, and like, 99% of them were fucking garbage. The Paranormal but Activity so- 100% turned me off of found footage uh, movies, and... That sucks, because, like, after watching these movies, I actually really like them. I think they're really fun. I, I like I like found footage as a concept, because there's a lot of interesting stuff you can do with it. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of people just... I, I know one of the big things a lot of people talk about is they don't think through the logic of, like, why people are recording this thing. As, especially when, like... Things get dramatic or tense where like people's lives are in danger and like oh I I got to run away or help somebody but also I got to hold this camera yeah so it, like there there's definitely some some limitations within this genre but it's it's all about how you do it mm-hmm. exactly I, I was also gonna say too um par- paranormal activity may have you know jump started kind of like the tirade of hate but like really when Blair Witch when the Blair Witch Project came out, everybody was kind of like all for that shit. Which is interesting because Blair Witch is, and a lot of, you know, believe like that that sort of started the subgenre, but there wasn't like a proliferation of movies in the same vein after it came out. Do you want to know the actual first found footage movie? It's yes. really it's a it's a really controversial movie. Uh, oh, okay, I know what you're talking about. It's Cannibal Holocaust. Oh yeah. Oh shit! Yeah, I haven't seen it. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. It's controversial for obvious reasons. Yeah. So yeah. But we we weren't we weren't talking about that. But we do have five films in the found footage genre we're talking about today. Each one of us contributed to the film, including uh, one of our good friends who couldn't be on the show today. Um, Liz, she contrib- contributed film to discussion today. We'll be talking about that in turn. And to uh, kick off the conversation, uh, the first film we'll be talking about today is John Eric Doddle's 2014 movie, As Above, So Below. And um, Colt, this was your pick, correct? Yeah. All right. Colt, what, what made you want to contribute this film to the discussion and once you discuss that, lead us into the conversation with how you felt. All righty. Uh, I picked uh, this movie because I've already seen it, like uh, like 2018, and I really liked it. I thought it was really fun. Uh, at the time, I haven't I hadn't seen that many found footage movies, so I remembered this one, and I remembered that I liked that. So why not recommend it to everyone? So that's why I picked it uh but i how i felt about the movie i re-watching it i feel exactly the same uh like three and a half stars it's a very fun movie that takes place uh 
in the catacombs of Paris, which I thought was really, really interesting. I find the exploration videos on YouTube about the Paris catacombs to be extremely interesting. I will spend hours and hours watching people walk through those catacombs, looking at these bones of that people of people that died hundreds and of years ago. I just think it's all really, really cool. And the fact that they actually recorded the or filmed the movie in the Paris catacombs was insane to me. Yeah, like I, I was looking that up as as we were watching the movie today, and I was like, well, "Shit, that!" Because I was like, "Wow, these sets look really convincing." It's like, "Oh, it's the actual place they're filming." And I guess <laughs> uh, the the medium they chose found footage is probably the best way to film the catacombs because it is so tightly constricted so they can't really allow for like bigger sets and movements and camera equipment so it seems like it's the best way to do it and plus like you said Colt there are all these like urban exploration videos online where people you know exploring themselves and just even even if you're not a believer in the supernatural just just being in a place like that is very haunting just like because you can people can get lost people do get lost because there's so much of the catacombs that even today are still uncharted or just in danger of collapsing just due to age god you have no clue how much i love urban exploration i love history i love going or watching people go to historical sites like old hospitals old abandoned malls all these old old stuff and uh just i yes uh yesterday when i watched the movie i spent probably 10 hours watching people uh just go to random old shit mostly the catacombs because that shit's extremely interesting. Watching people pan their camera up in like uh, a pit where they dumped the bodies in the 1700s, and you could see the bones and how they stacked them. It's it's incredibly morbid, but it's also just really really interesting to just to see this stuff. I I highly recommend yeah. whenever you're bored, just go look up some urban exploration people. You will have a blast if if you're interested in this kind of stuff. You that is, yeah. And like um, this movie totally plays into that. Like it, it urban exploration and that kind of um, that genre works for this, especially for like Pat said the tight the tight quarters and everything. Um, I remember, um, I remember uh, the. When this film first came out, the um the marketing, sorry, the marketing for it, uh <laughs> back when he was hitting his peak, uh he um PewDiePie was invited to go and uh do a video for uh going actually through like uh a guided kind of like area of the catacombs where he had like he they essentially like set up like people like to scare him and hit for him to sort of solve puzzles and stuff to make his way out as for like advertising for the movie and stuff. I did not and, know um, that. Yeah. I went, uh, this was like the movie came out 2014. I, this was pre it was big, like, bad PewDiePie news. Yeah. So, so he yeah. was hitting his peak. Um, and yeah, I remember watching that, and I was like, "Oh, that's kind of that's you know neat," and that's also what kind of made me like want to watch the movie. I I saw it in theaters when it first came out, and um, now you know, fuck PewDiePie, of course, yeah. he's a terrible person, but yeah, that's that was just something uh, interesting. Why don't you tell us about the um, the plot, Colt? Uh, well, oh, oh, so, sorry, hold on. I should say 
minor spoilers, possibly full major spoilers. Oh, so, yeah. Do we, spoilers. Do we want to go full in on the spoilers or, or hold something back for anybody who hasn't seen it? Uh, I mean, there's not really much to spoil in this movie. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's pretty much, it is what you're, what you expect from the marketing. Yeah. So, uh, but I, just going forward, there will be spoilers, uh, maybe to a greater or lesser extent, depending on the film we're talking about. Yeah. So, you haven't seen any of these films, you want to maybe take a break, come back and see them, and then come back and listen to us. So let this be your sort of, you know, brain release for what you just saw. Yeah. But Colt, uh, continue if you would. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, the movie, it's essentially Tomb Raider, but slightly different it uh takes the main character is a woman i can't remember her name uh scarlet scarlet uh scarlet her father (laughs) dies uh via suicide he hung himself and uh she i'm assuming found his research and wanted to like find out what he was doing and uh he was going after the philosopher's stone and uh, she just picks up the work from where he left off, and uh, she goes about the journey to get it in the catacombs in Paris. And uh, yeah, it's actually a really simple little plot there. That's that's the movie. Yeah, I was gonna say, but like you know, of course, some wild shit does happen because it is called "As Above, So Below," which I always fuck up the title, saying like "So Above, Below, As" or "As Below." It's the the movie title isn't complicated. But I feel like I mess it up every time I want to say it. I exactly I have to like sit and think. Okay, as above, so below. It's very it's a very unnatural uh, phrase. I, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that's easy to remember. I for me, I have to think of an image, and I always think of uh, the Star of David when I think of as above, so below. Yeah, because they, they, they use that iconography as part of the spooky like frescoes and the underground tombs yeah Yeah, well also because like it's it's weird i i don't know much about it but like you know for like the symbols involving magic and alchemy there's um you know when you put it's like it's like they're literally triangles or you know deltas and um delta does delta mean triangle i don't know anyway it's like a triangle and then like greek letters a triangle Oh, Delta. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's like a triangle, and it's like there's one for uh, there's one for air, one for earth, one for water, and one for fire. And when you put them together, they make like a star. And that when you put them together, that means as above, so below. Uh, that goes into whole magical shit with, especially with alchemy and the philosopher's stone. Yeah. Um, you know, I was talking about with this cult too the other night, but I didn't, I didn't talk about it fully. It's just such a fucking typical, stereotypical, adventurous English fucking archaeologist that you know. My name's Scarlet. I have like twenty PhDs, and I'm gonna look for the philosopher's stone. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Like, she's okay. she's like I have twenty PhDs in everything you can imagine, and no four spoken languages and two dead ones. And I'm like, oh, holy shit, we got ourselves a badass over here. Yeah, exactly. And like, and it's so. And I told Colt this. It totally starts out like a fucking heist film. Yeah. <laughs> also, she has to <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. She has to build her crew. I was just gonna say that uh, the worst thing about this movie. Is he acting? The acting is atrocious. It's not good at all, but everything else about it, in my opinion, 
was pretty damn fun. I mean, I didn't think the acting was terrible. By yeah, like I didn't, I didn't have any problem with the acting. But then, like, also hot take: I've never watched a movie where the acting was a was a deterrent to my immersion immersion or enjoyment to a movie. That's just me. Yeah, like for me, it had like the acting has to be actively horrendous, or the script but, is like, terrible. Well, the I was gonna say the script was kind of dumb. Like, and yeah. I mean, I guess when you like. I mean, I, I have to agree with Colt though. Like the acting wasn't the best, but like it might that just might have been purely the script because like with this movie, I was definitely immersed. But like I was just kind of more like if I was there, I would be like a better character. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, like yeah. in my mind, like. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> like, the thing I, is, if I was in this fucking movie, I would not be. F- I wouldn't be there. Oh yeah, I'm yeah, claustrophobic because, like, as hell. Oh no, for sure. I, I would. Like, John I would and I have were never talking like. There. Like it's always it's like also just saying it's only white people that go digging around in the dirt looking into like abandoned tombs and shit because like hey maybe there's a reason that some stuff is just left in the dirt if it's important we would have remembered it you know I exactly. don't agree with that because I love watching this stuff I think it's really fun I wouldn't do it myself so I'm glad that someone else is uh, wild enough to go look at historical yeah someone things. be dumb for me so I can live vicariously. <laughs> And I was also about to say too, a lot of people, a lot of people in the past, you know, they don't remember to, where to tell people where shit is. That's why we have to fucking figure it out, and it sucks ass. That's why we find yeah, like bombs under random city streets because of the fucking Revolutionary War, not Revolution, Civil War and Re- Revolutionary War. Or, or they just set traps, and it's like for, we forgot those were there. Watch out! <laughs> like, thanks. Yeah, be respectful after your war. Dig up your traps. It's just sensible. I mean, I would say, I'm, yeah. I mean, yeah. Just make, make, sure say, you, yeah. <laughs> make sure you leave your breadcrumbs Hansel and Gretel style so you can come back to them. Because uh, I will say that that is something, that, and with not just this movie, but just like general, like spelunking Indiana Jones type movies, it's just like, like how do people make these sort of elaborate traps and how they get themselves back out? Because I know with this one, it's a little more wibbly wobbly because there's like some like magic bullshit in it. But like, it's, just, it's like there was one puzzle where they had like pull a rock out. That's really just like rock stacked up. If you pull the wrong one out, the whole bitch falls on top of you. Yeah. And just sort of like. Well, I mean, that. Yeah, that was like that was like some shit with like pyramid stuff, I think. Cause, because, I mean, the pyramid did actually have traps that like would deter grave robbers. Yeah, Pat, have you ever played Jenga? If you pull the wrong one, it all falls. Yeah, that's a trap. That, that is very true. You, you, you just see, like, baby Scarlet. It's like, okay, Scarlet, we're playing Jenga because this will pre- prepare you for the pyramids. <laughs> and also, he also throws salt in her face like in The Mummy to scar her. God. Yeah, oh, fuck, yeah. She, uh... Oh, oh my God. You know what? I'm going... The... The beginning, oh my god! Like I said, it plays out like a heist movie because she has to build her crew, and it, and it's just so funny because she goes to the one guy, like like I said, this is like totally a heist movie because she goes to the one guy, and the 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 camera, the recorder guy is like Benji. Benji's like, "What are you doing?" And she breaks into a fucking church, and it's like, and she's like, "Um, yeah, this guy kind of likes to break into these uh, old historical sites that don't work, and um, he likes to fix them." Like, yeah, that's something that people do. It's cool. Yeah, they it, break. it's like this really <laughs> oddly specific 
skill set. Like he breaks he breaks in to historical sites to fix old historical things for no money or profit or whatsoever, and people have to keep him out from restoring stuff. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's like how how dare you fix our giant, you know, church bells and mechanisms? Like what a vandal. Uh, like I mean, I mean, really though. Also, he was like, course, they have, or it's like that bell was broken for a reason, jackass. That that summons the ghosts in underground. We shut the bell off hundred years ago because the, the dead were coming back. Or it was just annoying as fuck. It's like this this bell. I'm gonna say it too loud. Yeah, that bell was very loud, but it makes sense considering the very, they're right next to it and all that. Yeah. It's not yeah, just the I mean, bell. I found that like random audio parts. I was watching it with headphones because I was sitting at my computer, but it was so loud, especially with like cave-ins and stuff like that. It just Jesus Christ! They it sounded good, but it was very loud. Yeah, like especially like the big like jump scare stings were. It, it just seemed like someone took the bass boost on the audio and cranked it to eleven for that split second. Yeah. And also, uh, Scarlet and George, they want to fuck. No. Because, okay, I have to explain this too. The reason why she has to find George is because he's the only one that knows Aramaic, which is, you know, another dead language. She doesn't speak it, surprisingly, so she has to get her George. And then also this whole thing of, like, George saying, you need to stay from this one. You're crazy just like your father. Uh, <laughs> you left just me in Turkey like for your a father. week. You're just like your father. I mean, this is a heist movie. I will say it. This is a heist movie because the way he talks, he's like, you're crazy. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. All right, one yeah, more and, time. And the entire time, time, he's like protesting. He's like, uh-uh, I ain't going in there. I ain't going there. Fine, I'm going in there. But I'm not going – okay, I'm going in here. Yeah. You yeah, know, like, well, I, I will say the only reason why he even went into the catacombs was because – this scared me because I forgot about this. A cop fucking tackles Papillon. It's that so out me. of nowhere. He charges and hits him as hard as he can. <laughs> like like he just hit him with a like an with an edge style spear, just like knocked his ass to the ground. God. And, and somehow Papillon gets out of that pretty quickly, and he smoke safe. bombs. <laughs> with smoke so bombs, like, he has smoke bombs and uses those. Just like ninja smoke grenade pops out. Or like, well, Hi, bitch. Oh my God. <laughs> or maybe maybe it's like spores in scale because papillon means butterfly. He, he grounded yeah. butterflies. He's very theatrical. Yeah, yeah. There's a guy. Okay, later when they get the rest of their crew, it's a it's a urban explorer guy who goes to the catacombs. You know, Pepion, um, his other friend uh, Susie, named after Susie and the Banshee. That's a band, and um, Zed. I assume Zed Led Zeppelin. Fuck. Wait, was, Zed Leppin. Was uh, uh Zed Zed Leppin? Zed Leppin. Was, uh, uh was Zed the one that said that uh look at the, look at my uh, impression. Yep. Yes. He did that Robert Robert De Niro Robert impression. De Niro, boy. What the fuck? God damn. What the fuck? I was I, when I was playing with Cole on Cold War, I was like, dude, when you watch As Above So Below, there's a really good Robert De Niro bit. <laughs> and I was, man, I forgot about that, <laughs> you know? And having seen more of Robert De Niro's stuff, it was a good impersonation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he did do his uh, scrunched up face. 
Robert De Niro. What the fuck? Uh, but yeah, it was... Um, I will say, I personally enjoy the heist part of the movie more than the horror part of the movie. I don't agree with I that, mean, but okay. I don't agree with that, but that that's your that's your opinion, Jonathan, and it you know, it's fine. I, I, I know it's my opinion. Yeah, sure. That's what I said. I don't agree because with it and I'm like kinda getting hostile thinking about your opinion. <laughs> I'm kinda well, not liking well, you. Well, you know, sometimes you're just fucking wrong. Because that's that's where that's where it drops like that's where it was kinda like tough for me, especially watching that in theater, because like, you know, the the, the script the acting right there it was like it's so cheesy so much like a heist movie i was like ah shit let's just get where we need to be going and you know when we pick up for the horror stuff that's where i get um that's where that's where um i get excited i you know i got i got my thrills i guess yeah like for me i I was like really intrigued by the premise i was like okay this is cool even though the main chick was pissing me off the entire movie but uh (laughs) Yeah, like I was like, okay, this is really cool, and then it kind of just devolves into like standard horror movie. Like, like uh, this was something I told Pat like after we watched it. Like, like the cat, the Paris catacombs are creepy as fucking shit, but somehow this movie for me made them less scary. I mean, they're not really that scary. The scariest part is how big they are and how you can get lost. But like, it's just a bunch of bodies and dust. And the occasional party. I mean, yeah, that's literally what it is. You have a bunch of bones, and then you might have some parties, some uh, vandals in there. That's it. I mean, because, like, you know, this is your found footage horror movie. It takes place in the catacombs. You're dealing with some supernatural shit, um, which is, like, also what kind of, like, divides me on this movie because it's like, okay, this is kind of fun, but then it's kind of stupid because, you know, that was something that made me so upset about Scar that was, like, she was, like, or everybody really she was like uh she was very skeptical of like uh all this supernatural shit like oh this you know do you believe in that stuff well i don't you know i this uh, impossible and she's looking for the fucking philosopher's stone yeah exactly it's like listen homegirl alchemy is magic plus science like you're gonna tell me well it was science before science you're, you're gonna tell me just rock and like turn metals and different metals and, like, bring the dead back to life or whatever or some shit, but also, like, ghosts? I don't think so, bud. I think but the Elrics, like... <laughs> It's like, I think the Elrics even realized, hey, this is probably not a good idea. <laughs> Fuck. Rest in peace, boys. Uh, nah, they're not dead. It's just rest in peace. My... Rest in peace their mom, though. hey I Rest in peace yeah. their various body parts. My interpretation of the ending... I want to see what you guys think, but my interpretation is, because the movie's called As Above, So Below. I think I said that right. So, everything above is the same as below, so I'm picturing a mirrored session, or a mirrored thing where, like, it's the same above, so it's the same below. I'm thinking at the end of the movie, they did not enter their original world. They entered the hell version, or the, I don't know what to call it, maybe purgatory version of their world. Because uh, they you did probably not call it a mirror I, world. Because the thing is, called like I was thinking along the same lines at first, but then the movie just kind of ends without like any sort of fanfare. I it's mean, like, yeah, that's it. I think it's like saying like maybe some weird shit happened because like once they go into the upside down or the opposite version, 
that's when like hell it's hell you oh you go through the gates of hell and then you experience all these spirits and stuff because that stuff wasn't really happening until they made it through to a certain point yeah great that's the th- i i <laughs> i kind of thought and was had my fingers crossed that when they had uh when they pulled the manhole back that when they got out they were in china like in the old looney tunes cartoons fuck, fuck. that'd be a good bit. Would that, wouldn't that be like fucking great you know what because uh, uh, yes. I, I will i will say with it like my sort of criticisms of the movie like i feel like it was a pretty interesting kind of standard kind of adventure film like to me i feel like it would have like when i was getting more spooked it was more so like the claustrophobia of it that was where my main anxiety was coming from oh yeah like, that's like like the actual like spooky shit that that wasn't getting to me because I feel yeah, like yeah I agree it, yeah it, for me it would have been more spooky if it was more if it's played more subtly like you know like have like like some kind of cult down there like you know like when they met like that wizard guy robe guy in, in the in the chair like that could have been spooky because like the thing like if I wasn't scared before like the second like um, Papa Young gets sucked into a flaming car and disappears like that okay. okay any any tension the movie has just gets sucked away with that scene. Oh oh yeah, a hundred percent. I I I totally agree. That's 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 my problem with the movie is that like it just feels like it just it missed it just missed super hard and that's kind of disappointing because like there's that beginning part uh, when they're getting where they're going through and uh, Papillon's like. Um, He's like, there's just a bunch of weirdos down here sometimes. And it's like, it's some women, they're a cult, and they're singing. Like, that was pretty creepy. And then, you know, the guy getting up from the chair, you know, that, I mean, then smoke was coming out of him. Like, that was creepy, too. Um, but I was going to say something, though, Cole. That's a that's an interesting interpretation because that's what I thought. But, like, because they kind of, the way they leave it off is just kind of like, probably not. But that, like... I'll, I'll accept that as my canon that they end up in some mirror world because that'd be cool. Um, but but, but then how, so- how did how did whoever gets the footage get the footage? It I don't know. Uh, it's I'm a sorry, movie. I don't fucking know. I, I'm just saying. Maybe well, we're in the we're already in hell right now. We're in the mirror world itself. That's how we found the footage. Now I was asking Jonathan. What did he say? Uh, oh, I was saying. <laughs> Shit, I done forgot. He he just yeah. said like how'd they find the footage? It's a found footage, so that's why I said what I said. Oh 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 yeah yeah, yeah. okay okay. Because maybe yeah maybe me you us this podcast takes place in the mirror world, and we're not in the normal world. Maybe that's the case because well, we found it or, in or, ours. Oh, I mean, or, or, or or cult. Hear me out. What if instead they go in the hell world, they actually come to our world? That's what I just said. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is, we're not the hell world. They came from the hell world. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode <laughs> 381 of the HYCA podcast. I'll be your host today, Les New. <laughs> I am Talk. Hear me oh. chew, Bones. Uh, uh, it's me. Nathokogen. It's me, your favorite uh, brunette, uh, Kurtap. Oh, God. Oh wait, wait. Does that mean I'm blonde? Okay, that makes it easy for me to dye my hair. Yeah, and then I'm a lanky uh, blonde boy with you. And Jonathan's bald. Yeah, just just flat bald. 
I'm the opposite of Wenzel is is a dog or an otter or a raccoon. I'll take a <laughs> raccoon. Uh, all right. But yeah, it was it was fine. Like I didn't ha- like it was like even the like all the gripes I have with the movie, it was not that like super big of a deal to me for me. Like honestly, yeah. I'm probably not going to remember it in the next couple days. No. Oh. Uh, I oh, I really enjoyed it. It's one of my favorite found footage movies. It's not my favorite, but I really like it. Uh, I will remember I, it yeah. probably forever. I'm sorry to shit on the movie, Colt. I I I uh, I remember. I mean, I I still remember from watching it um, in theaters. You know, I remember having a good time with it. It was just it was just still very disappointing um, because like because I was gonna say this. Um, the magic stuff because like you know you have this philosopher's stone and then you know you talk about hell and stuff it's like were they in hell or were they or was just the guy who set it up really just used really powerful magic to make them think they were in hell you know mirror worlds and making their thoughts realities and stuff like that i, I think that like that ambiguity if they would have played with that more um i, I just think that would have been so so much cooler like or maybe like maybe to outright just say, "Hey, this is magic, and we're not in hell. We're just really fucked right now." Oh, oh speaking of magic, also does Homegirl still have her powers? Yeah, yeah. Because like, okay, because that that was a bit for me. I thought was because there was some of this movie I had an inkling of, and that was a bit where they get to the end, and she's and and her boyfriend gets bit by the fucking rock monster. He gets bit in the neck. And he's like, oh, no, the Philosopher's Stone, it doesn't work. And she's like, did some bullshit. It's like, oh, wait, the stone I have is a fake stone. So hold on, boo. Um, she has to go just, all the way back. She has to run, all, like, just pell-mell all the way back to the, to the fucking beginning of the reverse thing. Again, like, she puts the stone back in the hole. And then it's like, okay, where's the real stone? And she rubs off her mirror and it's like, oh, I'm the stone. Yeah, the real stone's the friend we in... made along the way. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the real stone you... is love. And and then on her way back, we cannot be remiss without mentioning the fact that one of the stone monsters tries to grab her and she fucking donkey punches. Yeah. She pushes him. <laughs> she, she pushes like, him down. <laughs> like, fuck you, bitch. Like, she can't be bothered. And she, and she did it both times, running there and running back. She's just like, get out the way, bitch. Move, And bitch. like... And like how okay, if that's possible, then why the fuck did dude get his throat ripped out? <laughs> like, because he because he's a little bitch. That's why. And I, I just thought it was nah. funny that like it took an hour for us to get to the other end of this tunnel from the the, like, the, the starting of the reverse point, and this shit, she just like speed runs this shit in like ten minutes. Literally, literally. while he's bleeding out of his neck, and like these rock <laughs> monsters are just slowly getting towards them. And, and like people in black cloaks, and then also she takes the time to uh to fucking hug her dead father, which was I guess really sad, but it's like okay. And then you know takes the time to look at all the hands in the blood water. Um, oh, there's also a cheesy bit too where her father was hanging, made a bag on his head, so she took the bag off, and it was her face screaming at her. Like okay, yeah, we get it. You're supposed to be crazy like your dad. Good, or I guess. I, I, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, because there were a couple, there were a couple jump scares that I was like, like it was like, oh, I got you, and I'm just like, no, no, you didn't. I'm perfectly fine. Because like, there, there's a lot of people are like wringing their hands over the the guilt or whatever they did. Like, it's like, I'm the one that killed my father because I didn't answer his phone call when he 
uh, reached out to me the night of his death. But also, I'm, like you said, uh, I'm on the clock, but I'm going to ha- have this moment of like emotional closure with this ghost. Well, that's how they... Uh, at least how I understood it, that's how they had to get out. They all had to come to terms. Well, with- no, that, that, that was explicit. It, it's just funny that she's like, my boyfriend's bleeding to death. Let me just have this moment real fast. Just, you know, no worries. Um, God, <laughs> like that, you know, I I think that's the best part of the film because it's just how ridiculous it is. Yeah. And, oh, man. Uh, oh, oh, sorry, before I forget, Papillon, though, when he gets sucked into the burning car, I just think that was so fucking great that when the car disappears, his fu- the only thing left was his legs in the ground. Like, I couldn't take that serious. And they tried to pull him out, and then they were just like, fuck it, just leave him here. <laughs> like, I wish, I wish they would have just gone further and they pulled his legs out, but, like, they're just burnt stumps. Like, that, I think that would have been kind of fun um and also i did think it was great though how the guy that was burning in the car was the guy that told the the original two people scarlet and benji about papillon in the catacombs when they were taking the tour i i thought that was kind of cool yeah. but then also like okay is that magic like what is that <laughs> i don't know i guess it's as good as mine it's a movie i, I take it as it is yeah you love it so much cold explain it to me right now we just talked about it yeah, g- give us your deep lore movie, uh, movie uh, YouTube video. Top 10 things you miss in As Above, So Below. So Below. There were, Number there was one came out, <laughs> came out six years ago. <laughs> Number two, Papillon, kind of hot. <laughs> Number three, um, that girl from the with the white dress, kind of scary. Number four, <laughs> I shit my pants. Number five, I didn't shit my pants. <laughs> Number six, I'm out of facts. Good night. <laughs> uh, but one thing is we're not out of, and that's more movies. Woo! And uh, going on to our next film, we have 2007's The Poughkeepsie Capes, directed by John Eric Dowdle. The same guy who did the previous movie we talked about. So, so it's a double feature. Now, uh, Jonathan, you picked this film. So what led you to, to choose this one and um, lead us into the conversation? Uh, I first found out about this movie. There's a, a guy on YouTube named uh, Ryan Hollinger. He's a Scottish guy who does a lot of really cool video essays on horror movies. You should check him out. He's fucking great. And and, he, and, and a lot of the stuff, he, he kind of pulls a lot of like really obscure movies and this one was really hard to find for the longest time because it was originally going to get a theatrical release and then didn't uh, for whatever reason. And then the the home video was out of print until like three years ago. But, uh, yeah, it was just uh, him explaining the concept of the movie made me really interested in it. And for me, it actually led to me suggesting this topic for the podcast being like hey let's let's just talk about some like more obscure found footage movies but the sort of the premise of the movie is there is the serial killer in the Poughkeepsie area around like New York tri-state area and uh they event and the authorities find the guy's house and a bunch of these videotapes they don't find him 
and they find one of his victims he's kept alive. And and so it's it shot like one of those like really crappy uh <laughs> uh like true crime documentaries you'd see on like Discovery Channel or something like that. Yeah, but I eat like, those up too. They're they're fun when yeah. you're you want some good good entertainment. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And uh and it's just sort of uh chronicling the the I guess lack of better term career of this serial killer who is terrorizing this area. And yeah, that ends. What did y'all think about it? I thought it was really, really good. It's it's realistic. It's uh, out of uh, out of all the found footage today. I feel like it's the most realistic. It's horrifying in the in a weird way because every single thing that happens in this movie is extremely possible and has happened before. Uh, not, yeah, I, it's I not will argue that, I will argue there's one thing that happens towards the end where I was like, okay, that, that that's pushing it. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Like it's, it's scary because, uh, at work, my thing is listening to true kind podcasts. I listen to people describe horrible things in detail that actually happened. And this, it, it adds up. It's really fucking scary, uh, in that way. Uh, I also think the moments when the killer visits one of the victim's mother, I thought that was also really scary, but at the same time, also very realistic. As in, like, some of these fuckers will be so weird and creepy in the way that they'll go to a victim's uh, family, go to the, back to the crime scene, essentially, and just be there just because they get off to it or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then also too, he's kind of a fucking dork. Oh yeah, but but that's because like all these serial killers, like the sort of pop cultural uh, narrative of what serial killers are, are these just like almost like untouchable monsters. But they're really just a bunch of fucking nerds. Oh yeah, all serial killers are just a bunch of weak uh, man children. Usually, they're just terrible idiots. Yep. Yeah, especially it's, when uh, when the guy in the movie is, is like in the plague doctor outfit. Realistic. That's extremely realistic, right there. Because serial killers, they'll do the most cheesiest bullshit. And like that one was specifically even cited in the movie as like, yeah, that you know, like he's very um, theatrical, yeah. and you you can definitely have that with these fuckers. Um, yeah, I, I really like this. Um, it was, I, mm, it, oh my god! It, like Colt said, it, it or like Jonathan said, um, it plays out kind of like those cheesy old um, true crime documentaries. And uh, for me, I don't know why. For me, like at first, that kind of hurt it for me. But then, like after Jonathan saying that, and then me remembering, I'm like, yeah, you know, that kind of fits it. Um, yeah, because I had a similar experience where I was like, okay, yeah, like I was like, yeah, the acting's kind of stilted and and whatnot, and, and I have a lot of problems with this movie. It's not it, it's not perfect, or I would even say good, but 
that that aspect because a lot of those those true crime like documentaries that you'd see on like the ID channel or something like that. Yeah. It, every, all the people they interview act the same way. Yeah. Um, but something I was going to say though, is that, uh, that, uh, this, you know, you know, serial killers are awful, terrible fuckers, but then, you know, there are definitely some in history that are actually very smart, and in this film, even though it's fictional, uh, our main killer is actually very smart, and that's also what I enjoyed about um, with the um, with the police and the investigators and stuff was like they were just kind of like they're talking about like his um, his mo, his process, and everything. And it was just that to me was kind of interesting, even though it was like it was completely fake. Uh, I know I looked up some stuff about what people because there were some things I was curious about this movie, and I know some people didn't like that, but uh, I thought that was pretty good in my opinion, just because like it makes it like it really adds to the this uh, believability like okay yeah this is like a very demented fucked up person but he's also very intelligent and like completely possible yeah and i think one of the things i really like about this movie is there's no closure at the end yeah like i mean and a lot of times that's just how real life is things just horrible shit happens and there's no explanation for it or no cathartic resolution. Yeah, because that's how that's what happens with a lot of cold cases. Um, I mean, hell, there was even there were some killers never even caught. Zodiac uh, they might be the dead most today. Famous one. They might be alive. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Zodiac. Um, you know, and there, I mean, there's shit happening right now that we don't even know about. Oh yeah, there's which is even scarier. There's uh in the movie I can't remember the exact number. Uh, but it's like twenty-five to fifty active serial killers in the U.S. At I one time. think it's actually higher. the The number is actually higher, and that's legit. The there is always an active serial killer. There's never been a non-active situation. Uh, it's just that and, that and stuff's see, not made public because it would scare everyone, and everybody'd be up on a tizzy. Uh, but and the, and that's the thing. And that's the thing too is that like, um, you know. I I'm already for I don't know why but like <laughs> recently I've gotten more and more and more paranoid because like I mean really like everybody they could because li- like you know going into a college campus and you know being you know being by yourself with all these adult strangers it's like you don't know who the fuck these people are oh, and no. it's like it's kind of like I mean shit there was literally a call you know the the famous um cannibal Japanese cannibal who who was going to college and killed his uh, female roommate and ate her, ate parts of her. Like, they were college students. And, like, there could be a college student who is a murderer, who is a rapist, who is a pedophile. You know, it's like, you don't know. And oh, it's especially, like, for, especially in the Greek life, there's so many rapes that go unreported. Oh, yeah. And it's absolutely disgusting, and and it's just like recently I've like, I've talked about this as like I keep finding it harder and harder for me to like connect and make friends with people because like I'm kind of paranoid. I'm like I I'm kind of afraid. Like I don't know who these people are, and I don't know you know I don't know if I want to because they could be a monster. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's one of the things the the film does successfully in tackling. The sort of that sort of feeling. Uh, yeah, uh, because I mean the 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 serial killer himself. Uh, 
he doesn't necessarily have morals, but there's parts in the movie where he'll be like, he, well, specifically one part at the uh, t- closer to the end when he um, when he's in a uh, unmarked police car and he's wearing like essentially like a uniform, but there's like no markings on it. And he picks up a woman and the woman just calls him an officer and, you know, says thank you and stuff. And he's like, he's like, why'd you call me officer? And she's like, because that's what police like to be called. And he's like, I, I'm not a, I never said I was police. Oh, and yeah. that was horrifying. That was probably that was horrifying. That was scenes. that was terrifying because that shit like that actually happens. There will actually be unmarked cars, police cars, or cars with like sirens or their guys impersonating police officers. You can buy LEDs people. that flash blue and red. It's it's not exactly. illegal to buy them. I because yeah. I because I, I remember hearing a while ago like that was happening that some person was impersonating a cop and killing people, uh, stopping their cars and killing them. That's a well, there's Ted, big Ted, serial killers that do that. Ted Bundy did it. Fuck yeah! It's, hell, Ted Bundy was even in the movie. Uh, not and it was an actor, but like the you know he was um, he was in the movie, uh, yeah. which I thought also which I also thought was interesting too was like you know because that is something investigators detectives will do is they'll go they'll actually go to uh, other like criminals killers or rapists and be like asking like how they do stuff and that actually can apply to a lot of um other killers like he was like this Ted Bundy was like. He was like, I bet you he's he's doing something to the bodies. Go back. Go, you know, when there's a fresh body, you know, um, go back to it or, you know, whatever he said. And that turns out that, yeah, he was going back to the bodies and having sex with them. <laughs> Fucked up. Yeah. Even though it's, you know, it's fictional. But, I mean, necrophilia does happen. I mean, yeah. there's been – I've listened to so much true crime. I've heard this happen so many times, I can't even name specifics. Green River Killer was one of them, I think. Once again, Ted Bundy. There's a yep. there's a lot. Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, he liked to have sex with corpses, I think. Yeah, he did. He, yeah, he wanted to make a living corpse. He wanted yeah. a zombie, pretty much. God. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> the 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 real the real villain of that story was racism and homophobia. But oh hell yeah, <laughs> that that's a story for another day. Pat, what do you, what did you think about this movie? Because I know you have Bec- very different opinions. Yeah. About it. Um. Yeah, because I I will say, <laughs> to me, there's a lot that's there's so much pulled from real life that I could identify in the movie that on a conceptual level, terrify me. But the movie itself in no way elicited any sort of fear or anxiety, except for a small moment when the killer is uh, in his main victim's house and he's filming, and the part that really got me when her boyfriend's doing dishes and it, like, cuts on and, like, bam, there he is behind it. It's more of a jump scare. Yes. Like, like and, and that's the best sequence in the movie, because holy shit, is it terrifying. Because I feel like that's the strongest portion of the film. And, like, for me, like, to, to, to me, this movie just wasn't successful in what it was trying to do. Because, like I said, there's, like, I've listened to enough crew crying to know that, like, yes, serial killers, they do catalog their, their, their crimes. They do sort of have this self, very self-aggrandized saying They are very, like, big, stupid dorks. Because, like, him wearing, like, the plague mask and the party city cape and being, like, there's just this adolescent edge to their antics on top of their crimes. 
is very true to life, but for me, how it was, how it came across the movie, it, it, it all just felt kind of hokey and silly, and like, and personally, I wasn't a fan of how they portrayed the found footage because for me, if they sort of played it similarly to another film we'll discuss, or, or to make the film actually feel like an old VCR video cassette recordings, it would feel more genuine than them kind of like post-production putting like artifacts and stuff over the yeah. actual footage and just like yeah i, I just like i said i was more t- scared on like a conceptual level like just like to me if this movie was made in a different capacity by someone else it could be much more potent because to me there's a lot that's really strong and compelling here it just personally it didn't land with this sort of uh production and like there's like there's a bunch of silly moments like him asking like a, like a fucking edge lord with a cape and mask and like one bit i thought was just so dumb was like when he kidnaps his second lady in the police guard and he fucking walks in spider backwards with a mask on his face and six needles in her throat it's like i guess because to me like him kid pretending to be a cop and like slowly revealing who he was that was like in concept more scary than whatever the fuck that bullshit was yeah, I and then like, go ahead. I was gonna say I see that more so as like going to the fact that, like we were talking about earlier, these serial killers they do what they do for certain reasons, and it seems like this one was doing it just so he could film, so he could film it do these weird things. That's why I found the you said it was cheesy and funny, but the where he's crawling and he inject, stabs the woman in the throat with the needles. I found that insane, uh, pretty scary because I can see that happening in real life in the, like, because his whole thing is I want to act out these weird scenes, these movies, these ideas that I have. Yeah. No, no and I, I understand. I understood that completely. It's just for whatever reason, that just didn't land. Like, I, I can understand, like, a, his whole gimmick is that he's theatrical. He, wa- he purposely wants to show himself doing these things and have it be seen. It's just, and for his own sort of, like, like psychosexual purposes, like, I understand all that. It's just, just, I, I don't think any other way to say it, I, it just didn't work for me. But And plus, like, uh, another, I just thought it was funny when, like, you see, when they first get to the guy's home, it's like, oh, there's a box full of cassettes. So he recorded all his crimes. He's And then, like, then they had to go to the FBI warehouse. These are his tapes. And then it's just, like, 20 feet of VHS. I'm like, okay. All right. And to, like, to me, I just thought it was, they're, they're, like I said, there's so much that's grounded in reality that they pull, they could pull from real life, maybe even literally, like, about him taunting the mother or him just, like, slow, the slow, just degradation of this person's life for his own twisted affairs but like the to me just the level of competency he he shows from like first kill to second it's like a kindergarten to like 11th grade and then by the end he's Hannibal Lecter yeah like because one thing I was talking to Pat about after we finished it it was like I don't know how much of this movie I enjoy on a con- just on a conceptual level or how well it actually works because there is a point in the movie where even like I where I was pretty engaged throughout a lot of it 
But there is a point where he does become like fucking Hannibal, like a movie serial killer. And that is incongruous with the entirety of what led up to before like that. The, like the more grounded stuff is really jarring when he gets to like, oh, he's so good he can make himself look like he's a novice killer. Like, like and plus just the level of like, reverence almost that the the police and the investigators seems like he is so smart and he is so fluffed up we can't possibly figure it out and like it kind of feels like okay like it, it to me it sets the it sets like because especially at the beginning of the movie where they're like oh my god this guy's so fucked up like you can't live up to that premise go as hard as they go and like building up of how fucked up this guy is. I mean, I kind of feel like they did with the whole cut a decapitated head from another person inside the stomach of another person. Yeah, literally that beginning part was uh, he literally performed a cesarean on uh, a woman and then she he cut off her husband's head and put the head in her stomach and then sewed it back up, which was like pretty goddamn fucked up. That's like, kind of peak for me. I don't know about you guys. Um, and but, and, but uh, then also with the police, with the police talking about how fucked up he was, I mean, that's pretty on par because like when they're talking about these serial killers, especially with this one, I mean, you know, for him to have all these cassettes and or these tapes and stuff and for that to be like kind of ridiculous, I mean, it's completely plausible. Like there could be a fucker out there doing shit and he has like a ton and ton and ton of tapes and like he could be really fucking good at what he does. And like, that's also scary too. Um, yeah. Like... The, the th- the thing that broke my suspension of disbelief, though, was the whole situation with the cop he frames. Yeah. Like, there are so many but pieces. But see, that's, that's totally possible, though. That's That Is was kind of cool how they did that. I would say, Is yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because you can totally break into a fertility facility, grab some guy's semen, line. and plant it. But there's, like, a lot of, a lot of factors that have to go right. And, and the movie kind of implies... If you read it a certain way, that he was like clairvoyant about nine eleven. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't really get because that. like because at a certain point in the film, they realize that they they tried and executed an innocent man for the killer's crimes, and the reason why it wasn't pursued further as like a as a misuse adjusted because like literally the next that same week nine eleven happened and just kind of. Fell off the map. Yeah, I mean that's kind of how news sh- happens, though. Like, I mean, that's no, that, how that is happens. real. That does yeah, happen. Yeah, that's that, I, I, I totally get that. But like the movie, because they they make him out to be such as like Hannibal Lecter level genius, it almost implies that he he had some level of clairvoyance that nine eleven was going to happen, and. And those the the whole thing was getting swept under the rug. Like, like I, I know there's there's they're very prolific and I guess like very intelligent serial killers, but he like he just after a certain while it just felt over the top, and it kind of felt like I know I know a lot of this is pulled from real life, but it, for it's just it just felt really kind of silly after a point. Yeah, well, and the my big thing with the the thing with the cop was. The thing is, the cop was, like, basically, like, I, I don't know how he would have known or have access to the information that this guy was, like, the perfect guy he could pin it on. Like, just the level of access 
he would have to have for certain levels of information. That means... I, it, it just broke my suspension of disbelief. That means, like, for me as a person watching it, that makes me think, okay, so maybe this is someone that's actually closer to the investigation than people really think. So he has probably a better access to uh, the files and records and information like that, I guess. Yeah, because they they said they don't know who this guy is. He because there was that part in there where but that I guy was like, naming like, off of because they find like because they eventually find his house, and I feel like if he was affiliated with like the FBI or some sort of government agency or the police, they would have known. They would have at least known an alias, you know, but they they just don't know. I mean, that's fair. Yeah, but they don't. They there's he's like a complete enigma. And while I, I like the concept of them not finding him, like, I, I like I re- especially thematically, I like how where that goes. And, and it does lead to uh, the, the whole... This is where... this That's what's terrifying to me is, like, there is this guy who's just out there who is capable of, like, doing this horrible shit. And... and even the, like the police can't get to him. It's just like there were some parts of the story that really bent and broke my suspension of disbelief. I mean, yeah, that's fair, but like, you know, um, I don't know, man. Like, I mean, how did the landlord not know her tenant either? Like, y- yeah, I mean, because cause fake like, name. Because they 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 bring it up. Like they interview, like she's one of the first people they they show an interview of, and then they never go back to her the the rest of the movie, because she's like, oh, he was one of the worst tenants I ever had, and it's like, well, why? And that 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 yeah, was never well, like, explored. She, well, she said no. She says like what like 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 this man, this tenant turned out to be my worst tenant ever because of what he was doing like that like uh, i think yeah. that she was she that's what she was saying like implied that like after the fact she was like oh my god this is he's a terrible tenant because he was fucking killing people and burying their bodies in the yard yeah. and doing stuff in the house um also yeah, even I mean, if they you know, didn't have many interactions i feel like there's certain types of people that when they get the chance to they're gonna take their chance to get on television so, like, they'll just say, oh, yeah, he was terrible. He did this, that, this, that, or stuff like that. I mean, that that's that's true, but, like... And plus, like, I guess to the defense, like, listen to certain crew, to true crime shows where, like, someone's doing, like, their awful crimes in a, in a hotel room or a, an apartment, and, like, the landlord tenant's like, yeah, there's, like, all this weird fucked up shit that was happening that we thought was strange, but... Like, nobody really comments on it. Nobody, like, really talks about it. Because that has happened, like, you know, reality is stranger in the fitness set, where, like, literal bad things can be happening right next door, like, sounds, screams, smells, and people just like, well, someone should do something about that, or that's weird, and that, that's all that's all further as it goes. Or Like, like in the yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer case, where, like, literally the cops were just, like, racist and homophobic because he was in a a predominantly black area of the town. And, like, literally all the black tenants were like, hey, this guy's fucked up. Do something about it. And, and they were like, eh, he's fine. You know, he's just, he's only drilling a hole in this Filipino boy's head. Yeah, and, and plus, boy, boy, a gay people are icky to them. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> like, I guess my final sense is, there, for me, there's a lot 
that's very strong on a concept level. Just this particular film just didn't work for me. But I'm not taking away for anybody that did enjoy it because um, there's a lot that's rooted in reality, and that is very terrifying. Just the the scope and the the scale that some killers have been prolific in, and yeah. I feel like to a certain extent, this does emulate that, and I think it successfully, at least on paper. Yeah, like for me, it's like the more realistic bits of this movie were the things that were most scary, and I think having that juxtaposed with the more Hannibal Lectory bits, to me, th- those two concepts seem a little incongruous because there's one is like the movie conception of what a serial killer is, and then one's the reality, and and, and in, in many cases those are completely incompatible. But yeah, that 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 was the Poughkeepsie tapes. Oh yeah, uh, right. I I wouldn't. It's a hard movie to recommend. Because it's definitely not for everyone. Even if you say you're a horror fan, it's it's got some pretty different stuff in it when it comes yeah, to horror. Yeah, it's, it's not your typical horror movie. Uh, I was also going to talk about Cheryl Dempsey because that shit scared me. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Like, how could we forget be- that part of the movie? Because because literally at the end, like, don't get me like, everything with Cheryl Dempsey, like, with, when he put the mask on her and, like, everything that was going on, that was terrifying. But then at the very end, when, like, you know, she survived and, like, they're talking to her for an interview, it was just very, like... Sad, uh, heart, ha- sad, harrowing. Because yeah. like she was, she kept asking, "What do you want me to say? What do you want me to say?" And like that was a good performance because like she's like she had been abused and you know manipulated into like she can only uh, she has to be submissive. And then like when she lifts up her uh, what used to be her hand because she, her it's just her arm because she doesn't have a hand anymore because uh, constantly re-injuring herself, her bones not being able to heal. They had to amputate it. That that got I was like, oh fuck, like that's. Man, she just, I mean, she already looked, like, just, you know, awful. Like, whoever did the the makeup and stuff for that was, and the effects did great. Um, man, that was that was definitely, like, oof. That's a, yeah, uh, and, and, and I think the thing that got to me was, like you said, the her not being able to have a thought of her own. She had to constantly refer to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 then, and, yeah. and then, like, when she eventually just kills herself, uh, <laughs> the guy fucking just like rips her body out of the ground and continues uh, to terrorize the people. Yeah, and that's also the thing too is like, okay, you know, I, I that's that's also where something like drops off for me is that like, you know, like you said, he's like this Hannibal Lecter genius serial killer, and then there's like twenty seven tapes missing. And there's no sequel or anything in sight for it. It's like if they would have continued on with the story, that would have been kind of interesting. Did anybody watch the post credit scene? By the way, there was a post credit scene. No, I mean there yeah. was, but I haven't there's seen a... it. No, yeah. I didn't see it. What was Did... it? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's uh, it's the camera's on. You know, it's his shitty camera. There's a woman staring into it. She has a a gag over her mouth and it's just the killer saying um if you don't blink i'll let you live and then it's just her like muffledly like trying to keep her eyes open but then also like <sighs> ah! you know it's like screaming and stuff and uh and then that's just how it ends um that that yeah that was it uh i knew i knew there was a post credit scene because 
I thought I'd never saw this movie, but at some point I think I did, but I just forgot. But something told me like wait until the end, and I saw that, and I don't know, I don't know what it's there for other than like just to show he might be continuing. He's still still out there. He's still active. But then if if that's part, see, like like Pat said, they put artifacts in the movie that I'm like. That's kind of dumb. Make it true to documentary style. And then they add that in there, and it's just like, okay, does that, is that part, you know, I mean, you know, it's more a part of the movie itself than the actual documentary part of the movie. But, like, I don't know. I thought it would have been kind of more interesting because the guy, the investigator who was, like, watching the tapes, he was like, he was like, why are there 27 tapes missing? Do they reveal his face? Did he not want people want to see them or something? I thought it would have been kind of interesting if you got a closer shot of her eyes and, like, you could see his face in her eyes and that would have revealed who he was. I thought that would have been kind of interesting, but that's not that's not in there, so. But that's the post credit scene. Yeah, that, 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 that'll let you explain that. Yeah, that kind of breaks up the, the diegesis of the movie. What the fuck right. did you just say to me? I don't know what a diegesis is. Uh, it's the the concept of what's in the movie and what's out of the movie. So something that's diegetic oh, and something okay. in the movie. non Like, example of something that's non-diegetic is an external score. All right. Okay. All right. And uh, moving on to our third film, that is 2010's Troll Hunter, directed by, forgive me if I mispronounce this Norwegian name, Andre Overdahl. Perhaps. Okay. And this was a movie that was recommended by Liz. It's one of her favorite films. And this film is uh, sees a small group of college students going on a film trek to like sort of for this project, and they get roped into this very harrowing journey where monsters may actually be real. And now. Before we get started, has anyone seen this film prior to uh, this episode? No. I just had Wenzel recommend it to me for years. Yeah. And, uh, I w- sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I was going to originally recommend this uh, before my recommendation because I know nobody saw it, but then, you know, Liz recommended it, so I was like, oh, okay. And uh, this is a movie, like we said, it's one of her favorites. She's been recommending this one to us for years, and I was really excited to finally get to it. And and we will say, like, it, this is the least grounded of all the movies, and but for obvious reasons. But it, I still, it, it was still a fun movie to watch because, and plus, like, it's just gorgeous to watch because it's it's set in Norway, and you just see all the like. The sweeping landscapes, the fjords, all like, the fjords, the fjord, fjord, and like, fjord night, and fjord, it, fjord, and it's just it was a lot of fun to watch. Can uh, we see the main kids? They get, you no, know, they're going along with the documentary, and they, and they run across this like mysterious older man who keeps keeps popping up, and you see like, like a, a lot of like property destruction, like and like animal deaths, and like sort of large scale like rural destruction that all they're all pinned in these bears but it, it, it's kind of incongruent with the facts because like one bear can't do this much damage and like and, it, and the tracks are real weird and like you have all these like bear hunters who are like yeah like you know bears are very protected in this part of the world like you know they're all pretty much known and like at least approximately where they go and how many they are and it's like this doesn't add up and then they have like a wildlife management agent who's like, yeah, it was just the bears. They're going rogue, but 
and like that really conflicts with the people who are there, like who know the woods. So like something's not right. This is outside of what a bear normally does. So like the kids are sort of following this plot, and then they notice like this guy kind of appearing and appearing in the same location. This like this older grizzled man who like drives this like. Like beat down cars, got like claw marks in it. it it's like off. this, uh, like off road jeep type vehicle. And so, and they're wondering like how how he's coming and going, like what's his story. And eventually, they're able to find out that he's sort of involved with this. To what just to what extent they don't know yet. They just realize he's always there, or he's like on the trail of whatever these things are. Because like there's just a trail destruction and very isolated places where they all kind of fall in a certain path. And then, uh, they, 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 they told, they basically, they stalk him. They like track him down. They follow him across the fjords and across the sea. Fjord. Yard. And they get out to the, they follow him out deep into the woods and he's like, okay, we finally got this guy. He's, he's rebuffed us at every turn, but we're going to get him because he, he's out in the woods. He's got nowhere else to run. And so they go out in the woods and they hear like like noises and, and like fighting and you see like these bright flashes of light and it's like what's up with this? And then the old man runs out and he's just real troll. They all run away <laughs> and then, and they get back in his car. It's like what are you kids doing? Leave me alone. It's like well what the hell was that troll old man? What's up? And it's like yeah okay um, trolls are real and uh, they're fucking up the countryside and it's my job to hunt them down to make sure they don't continue to screw things over for the people that live there. And, and then they, like, get back to their car, and their car is just, like, all fucked up and shit. Like, the car, like, the tires are ripped off, and it's covered in, like, goo, troll goo. And, and then the, Bear. uh, the, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, the main guy gets, like, slashed or bitten, and that, that will be important for later on. Yeah. And so, like... They they formed this uneasy alliance with the uh, old man who's named Hans, and he's like, "Okay, if you do exactly as I say, I'll be part of your documentary." So they follow him along and just like uh, they're going to all these different locales, and and their first sort of job together is that he has to go find something called a tosselad, which is like a type of troll, and they go out in the woods and they find this giant three headed troll. And they're like chasing them yeah. out to the woods. They get separated, and so and then the old man he they were able to circumvent the troll and get him back to their car. But he hits it with a giant UV spotlight, turns the dude to stone, turns the monster to stone, and then he smashes it to bits. Because like even even though these are like living breathing monsters, they still have these folkloric elements about them as part of their physiology. Like the trolls, they if they're exposed to sunlight. At a certain age, they turn to stone. If they're, if, they're, if they're a younger troll, they just explode. Yeah, they and fucking also, explode. also, yeah, just look like <laughs> gibs everywhere, like blobs and guts everywhere. But also, like, the whole rhyme, I fee, fi, fo, fum, I smell the blood of a Christian man or Englishman, as it was trends into, is a real bit, too, because the old man's like, if any of you believe in God or Jesus, um, that's going to be a real big problem for us. Because they, apparently they can actively sense or disdain christian it's like how or why who knows but like that's that's a, like yeah, a key i, it, I don't know but it's part a good, of the good. troll yeah and it, it makes me empathize with the trolls it's like yeah i i get it 
because like there, there's a bit where they're on to the second troll, which is a um, what did they say? What was the name? The, the type of the because it's like three or four types of troll. They all have like very Nordic names. Um, was it the fuck? It's like the Tonger Bungle. Finch. Yeah, because there, there, there are two main types of trolls, and then there's like diff, there's different subtypes of the each type of troll. Yeah, like you know, kind of like with real animals, there's like a, a the larger phylum or family they fall into, and they split off in there, but like largely grouped. And so, so the second troll is more like like rock hewn and monstrous. So there's a bit where he's they're trying to lure him to a bridge, but like he's not taking the goat bait. So like. <laughs> Somehow the the troll hunter's like, yeah, I got this bucket of blood from a Christian man. And he just dumps it on the bridge, and that gets the troll all riled up. That and, and he has that this, like, whole giant scene. ass fucking syringe, and, and, oh, and like but, and like a bear suit kind of gimmick too. Yeah, it was so okay. That scene was so freaking good because I remember watching that and like. He just walks up with that suit, and he's just like, "God, I hate this crap," and it, I, I lose my shit because it's just—it's such a good like going about business. Mondays, ah, Mondays, yeah, and it, like, it's and so, then for some so reason, mundane. And for some reason, he doesn't die, like because literally, he literally gets that syringe, puts it in him, and then punches him. He looks dead. The troll tries to eat him, can't because he's in a metal suit, and then just you know. Throws him away. Like I don't know about yeah, you guys, I thought the motherfucker was I'd dead. Die. I thought <laughs> I that I'd motherfucker die died. Yeah, like because he he, cause he he had to at least have some broken ribs. Because like the dude's like being generous, like mid fifties, probably like pushing sixty, and like he's fucking with these trolls. But like he's very like like haggard and like. It, wizened it's just like uh, i've been hunting these trolls for damn near i don't know we're gonna say 40 years because like apparently he's the only motherfucker in this country who like keeps this shit in check even and though like, the he's even though he's employed by the government to do this like it doesn't make any sense yeah they're just like we oh even though there's a bunch of trolls we only need one guy to, to blow them up if they get too rowdy but, like, that's besides the point. Like, the movie's just fun. Oh, yeah. And, like, all the trolls are really cool. Like, it may feel, like, a little jarring when you see, like, this giant monster, but they have, like, big honking, like, cartoon noses. But, like, there's just still how they, they, they interact with them and how they sort of play in the folklore parts is kind of fun. Like, uh, the, the third mission they have, they go off in the mountain to meet, like, this, like, tribe of... Like mountain trolls are all like big, fat, and hairy, and like they have big noses. I swear, one of them farted. Oh yeah, they did <laughs> because they get because they get stuck in a cave because like that you're in the cave looking for them, and then like um, all the trolls come back home to roost, and like oh, you got to hide out. And then Swerve turns out the reason why they had so much trouble the first time is that their camera guy was secretly a Christian and he didn't tell anybody, and then uh, he gets gobbled up at the at the end of that mission. Yeah, he he gets fucking ripped. So, but like, yeah. it, it was just really sort of bizarre, like how that worked. And, then, and the girl they get to replace him is like, "Hey, do you believe in God's?" Like, yeah, but I'm a Muslim, so it's like <laughs> different faith doesn't count to trolls or something. No, yeah, like specifically Christianity. The troll hunter himself, yeah. he's like, is they were like, is that a problem? And then uh, he's like, actually, I have no clue. 
Well, we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was like, I don't know how that's going to work, <laughs> which I think is great. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I remember I, I remember watching this and like the whole Christian like blood bit. I was like, it's silly, but like for some reason for me, it just had in, it just had me enthralled. I was like, Christian blood, you know, you got to be careful. Going to get you. And now we got a we got a new team member. She's Muslim, so she'll be good. <laughs> like. Because it, 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 it's know. just it's just really funny. Like the whole the whole the whole show's a romp. Like it's it's a lot of fun, and and plus like the main dude, like he's cool, but also like he lives this very like hand to mouth life. Like you know, like yeah, I've been doing this for a long time, and it doesn't really pay well, but it's just like what I got to do, I guess. It's getting, like he, he lives in a camper that's filled with like troll slime and snot and stink to keep so the trolls don't know he's there and. And because trolls turn to a stone under sunlight or UV light, his whole camp's lit with UV light, but uh, also really dangerous. But he says, like, it's okay, I got sunscreen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, <laughs> hey, what if what if he's actually, like, 25 and just a UV light just, like, dried him up? I I believe it. Yeah. I believe that, yeah. And, he, and he, his main weapon, it, it looks like a, like a Gatling gun, but it just shoots, like, a beam of, like, UV light. So he's just like he's just shooting this off in bursts, and then like the trolls are like being singed, and it all kind of escalates. It looks like a railgun. Yeah, it does. It escalates up to yeah. the crescendo where they go up to like the high mountains of Norway, where like the snow-covered caps, because apparently there's like a big daddy troll out there. The Yotar. The Jotun, The Jotnar. The, like the, the the mountain trolls of the Nordic legend, where the where, where they're literally. In Jotunheim, uh, the part of Norway that's actually called Jotunheim, where the the trolls were from in Nordic mythology, which is like also a really cool place to see. That's beautiful, so yeah, fucking, fucking beautiful, so fucking gorgeous. So like, if you have if you have a chance of to, to get the Blu-ray or rent it, please do because just like if for nothing else, just seeing this like tour of Norway is amazing. And then on top of that, it's just a fun fucking movie. Yeah, for real. Oh yeah, it's because the look, least serious of all the ones we've watched today, and I dare I say probably the funnest, uh, maybe the best, maybe I don't know. It's definitely like high on my list, and like the final confrontation with the the King Jotun or like the Big Daddy Troll was like really good. <laughs> oh my god, because me me and Pat were joking. It was like. Oh man, this bitch is gonna pull a dead or alive and pull a fucking rocket launcher and shoot this motherfucker. Wouldn't that be something? And then it happens because, like, the whole way they're whittling it down was like this giant spotlight UV gun that he's like blinking at the troll and he's like roars and runs away. And then when they finally get him all kind of tired out, old man runs up. With his regular little light gun, zaps him a little bit, then fucking hits the UV missile, just like turns into stone and de shatters. <laughs> fucking crazy, man. Oh. We also joked uh, they, they should have used it, like the UV bullets from Underworld. Oh he, yeah, just like popping this dude, like strafing as he's like lights him up. They literally just need to shoot a circle around the troll so it'll fall through the ground. Just that, that straight to the to the earth. Uh, Corey melts and but the movie kind of ends like on a kind of a bleak note because the like the 
environmental agency sees them and like chases them down and just they just like scoop them up. An like, old man he he walks off on his own to fight the troll and he just keeps going. And what happens to the rest of them? Who the fuck knows? Yeah, they're locked up in troll jail. Yeah, going to also, troll jail. The reason why all the trolls were going crazy is because they had rabies. Uh, Thomas, when the characters, he got bit and his, you know, was tested. His blood was tested and everything, and that's why you know got infected and shit because it was tr- troll rabies. And um, and at the very end, uh, when everybody gets scooped up, he's actually able to get the camera out and like runs away with it and then dies because he's infected and. Uh, some guy picks it up and that's how kind of we got the footage of a troll hunter yeah it's um it's this is one of those movies if you explain the plot to someone it sounds really fucking stupid like it's a movie about this guy who hunts trolls and, and they can smell the blood of christians so that's how they fucking detect you but the reason they're attacking people is because they have fucking rabies and, 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 you know, it can go on, but the way the movie is executed, it, I don't know, it's just really fucking cool and fun. Because there's, there's a lot that's silly and, like, and in concept, but to me, like, it all, because the, the, the setting and the plot is already fantastical, when it gets fantastical within that sandbox, nothing feels out of place. Exactly. And, um, yeah, it was just that shit crazy film. I still love it. Um, and then it ends with the news clips of the Norwegian prime minister uh, saying, hey, yeah, trolls exist, and everybody's like, whatever. Yeah, he just says, yeah, uh, and uh, trolls exist, uh, on to the next point. Yeah, like he just, like he said it <laughs> absentmindedly, and like the... Ep- the like guy the- sitting beside him just has this like, oh shit look on his face. Like, like it's the same guy to keep bumping into who's like really trying to fuck up their plans, but he... But he- he was there on camera when the prime minister just sort of like accidentally drops that. He's like, "Fuck, dude, shit, really? Fucking cameras!" But like, it, it's a, it's a it's a a lot of fun. This is a great movie. I definitely this is one of my strongest recommendations from uh, Dispatch. Oh, same here. Easiest recommendation because it's a fun fun little ride. I I recommend it wholeheartedly. It's so it's just so fun. It's so it's so dumb. Uh, not dumb. No, it's dumb. It's not. I don't know. Uh, there's also a thing where um, it would usually be uh, in Norwegian or whatever. But like at the in the credits, it says uh, no trolls were harmed during the making of this movie, and I love that. That's fun. All right, and moving on to our next film, we have 2015's Hell House LLC. Directed by Stephen Cognetti, and this was my pick for the for the batch today. Um, for me, I had a bit of a trouble like finding something because I didn't want to pick a movie that was in the genre of like well known like Wreck or something or, or and some of the movies that were highly like acclaimed are actually really hard to stream. So I, I kind of picked this one because I heard it had some buds with it, and Jonathan told me like it gets. Like, this series gets wild, and I kind of wanted to, to jump on from there. But the concept is a film crew, or excuse me, a crew is filming their sort of restoration of an abandoned hotel into a haunted house for people to come and visit and get scared. But things go awry throughout the restoration of the house and eventually upon opening night. And the name... The mo- 
Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say the name of the hotel is Abaddon. Abaddon Hotel. Red flag. Yeah, it's a demon. All right. God, yeah. They're they're. I'm I'm just going to spoil this right now. This was my least favorite out of them all. Oh yeah, uh, same for me. But at the same time, I did not like this movie. It was bad in almost every way. But I wanted to watch the second one immediately afterwards. I didn't. But I I want to see what the hell's going on here. <laughs> exactly. And from what I hear in the sequels, it gets butt fuck wild. But like, yeah, it's. I don't know. We'll, we'll get into it, but so like over the course of the movie, you, you see these. It opens up with like a YouTube footage of of the, of the opening night, and you see people going into the night. Shit starts like they're going to the house and gets like ooh spooky, and you see like like the actors and the uh, the people sort of like running around scared, like something like something's not right. And then they get to the basement, and then there's like a big traffic jam of people. And then everybody starts freaking out and runs out of the house. And then you see the police come, and you see like this investigation, like yeah, like the all, almost all the crew involved with that with the uh, production of the house, they they were killed or they disappeared. And there's this big hush hush like gag order about the whole night in general. So this can't just like camera crew goes to like, hey, we want to find out about this night and why things went crazy. And they meet the the one survivor of it, the girl who's on the team, and she's like obviously like affected. Like she's very like sort of monosyllabic and very closed off about it. And she sort of gives them the tapes that they made during the the process of making it because they were gonna make a documentary about them restoring this hotel. And then that's the movie of us watching until you get to the end where this camera crew comes back and that's their last little bit. And it's about these kids who had a, a haunted house in New York, and they're sort of, this is their next gig. They're kind of rebounding from what happened with that, and they're going to found this old spooky hotel, this obviously evil spooky hotel where, like, a dude, like, abducted people and killed them, and then he killed himself. And so, th- and, like, as they're <laughs> b- b- building the hotel back up, like, spooky shit starts to happen. Yeah, and and there there are two parts of this movie. The movie is like forty percent spook, like you, you know, typical spooky shit. And, and like, I, I the, give the movie credit. Like, some of the the scares in the movie are pretty cool. Oh yeah, like the shit, like the shit with the clown, got me a couple times. Yeah, the, the, that to me, that, that was pretty good. The, that was the spook that started that actually spooked me because like they're like they have like all this like haunted house where they got clowns and monsters and they're like putting them up and putting them away in their, in their place where they're going to be for the, for the attraction. And there's this one clown that keeps popping up in weird places. It's like, okay, I thought it was, I thought it was so-and-so dressed up. And then like, when they go back, it's not there. He's like lurking around. Like there are moments with that clown that legitimately had me spooked. I was more spooked in those few minutes and hell house. than I was in the entirety of Poughkeepsie. Yeah, I, I would agree there. But there, there, it's forty percent that, and then the the, re, the other sixty percent is just the interpersonal drama of these really fucking unlikable and uninteresting characters, and that's where this movie falls apart. Because when it's them arguing about like how the hotel is going to be run and blah blah blah, 
I could give two shits less. You know it's bad when the one character in your cast that has a that has like some substance to him is like a sex pest. Like he's just like really creepy and perverted. Oh yeah, it doesn't really look yeah. good for the rest of the crew. Yeah, and, and then the rest of them are just. Well, then you have the one girl, and, and then the other three are just generic white dudes. They're just like interchangeable dudes, and they're all kind of fussing and fighting. Yeah, and I could not like tell a difference between a lot of them half the time. <laughs> no, for sure. I I kept getting Tony mixed up with uh, Mac. See, I don't even remember their fucking remember. names. <laughs> uh, t- uh, Tony and uh, Paul were two of the camera guys. Paul was the weird horny guy. And so they even described Paul, their one of their camera guys, as being rapey. Like that's not good. That's not a good thing to Why be described. Why are you hanging out? Yeah, with and, him? and then it's like, okay, yeah, he's rapey. Why the fuck are you keeping this dude around? Is he is he is, like, is he only one that knows how to work the camera or like? But but then no he, he, no because the, Tony Tony knows how to work the camera because they have two guys they have Paul and Tony Tony knows how to work camera he knows how to do tech and Paul also knows how to do camera but that's literally all he does because they even talk about how lazy he is and he leaves all the time to go drink and party and like also too like it's one thing to be promiscuous or like you know being like uh, you know having sex with a whoever but like it's another thing to be rapey like that's not. That's not something you want to be marked as. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, I mean, and we're not, and we're not using that word flippantly either. He's very, very much do, like, like Pat said, a sex pest and doesn't take no for an answer. Like, like he's very aggressive. Like, he's very pushy. Whenever there's like that one girl around, he's like, he gets right up close to her. Whenever he films her, he's like zooms in like real close to her face. He's kind of like really interjects himself into like whatever situation and, and then every every conversation turns sexual so like but yeah and and that's sort of like a falling uh, like that's sort of a falling in the movie if like if that's the most prominent thing any one of your characters have like that's not doesn't look great on you but like like we said like it just because i was thinking like after the movie's over it's like you know not a lot happened yeah, yeah, because it, it takes place over like a month and a half of them restoring this hotel. And, and, and like, you know, of course, like weird shit happens and, and there is a crescendo, but it does reach a point to where like I would just cut my fucking loss and leave. Yeah, because I mean, and <laughs> yeah. it's not and it's not like they don't have this shit on tape either because they do. But like because the, the sex pest. He's the one who starts noticing things first because he's the one with the camera. A- and no one believes him, but no one has the idea to check the fucking tape where that would but prove. Still, Except maybe like one time they do. One time, but that's They it. did it one time. <laughs> like, and like... Like it does, yeah. Like that's that's where that's where it also falls off for me is like there's just really, really, really stupid decisions that are made that like okay, it may be a movie and you, you know, suspend disbelief, but also, like, what right-minded person would do that? Like, like people could probably chalk it up to being, like, they're being influenced by the mo- the hotel. Like, no, no, they they were in their right minds. They were just really fucking stupid. Uh, well, well, let's just say that gets retconned in the sequels. Uh, oh, come well, on! <laughs> I see you not. 
and that's one of the tamer bits of the sequels from what i hear but uh, oh man it, exactly and, and like and and, it, and and you know like you said wenzel there's some things you can suspend your disbelief but like the only other character who has somewhat of an any sort of development is probably the main guy the like leader because he's the one Alex. who's like yeah because he's the one who's like no we gotta stay here and finish this and then by the end he's like turning into fucking captain ahab but like there's no lead up to that point because there's not a lot of time spent with him up until like the end because the I, you know, camera guy doesn't have many interactions with him and and it doesn't well, warrant the sort of like descent into madness this guy goes at the end of the movie. Well, that's the thing too is that like the camera guy, the main camera guy, Paul, the sex pest, you know, like uh, you know, he's been he's really just kind of invasive with Alex and uh, his girlfriend, um, Sarah, the other crew member. You know, he's really invasive with them, and like okay, and then like they get um they get a they get another crew member. Melissa and he's like super creepy with her because you know she's not taken as far as we know um and she's like new so he's like oh yeah so there's even a part in there where like she's nervous and talking to Alex the team leader and he just gets in there he's like hey you know hey Melissa like how are you what's going on what are you nervous about and then but then like you said like there's not many interactions because Alex also keeps kind of like pushing him out telling him to go do stuff which kind of makes sense because he needs to do shit um and then like at some point he's like he kisses Melissa's hand which is like really weird and then he's like how old are you and it's like oh come on man like really like shit yeah yeah it's like no like you can tell this was probably written by a man because no woman and, oh, in their right mind would think any of that is any sort of sex funny because, yeah. or, or funny it, you either. know and, and, and like the 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 girl just kind of like laughs and goes along with it and it's just like mm, i don't see that as and really the, realistic and then the, because it's well, not like a I, laughing going on along with it to sort of placate him so he'll go away it seems like she's like genuinely it's like oh you're captivated by this guy. It's like you're so charming with this camera that's three inches from my face. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally, I totally see what you're saying, and I agree. Um, and then also there too, like he keeps, he keeps mentioning or talking about like, hey, you know, because she, of course, she has to play the woman who's gonna be chained up. He's like, does she get, does she get to be a topless? Do does she, you know, topless, topless, topless? And Do we like, see her boobs, man? Like, Jesus, come on. Uh, and, and this and, is sort then, of an, oh no, you go ahead, Wenzel. I, I, no, I was gonna say like he talks about that, and then and uh, they they were like they wanted a bodyguard down there so that like because she wasn't topless, but she was gonna be te- she's gonna be kind of naked. She's gonna be in her bra and panties, and have like sort of a shirt, but it's cut open. So they're well, gonna have I mean, a bodyguard even, down there. To- and even if she wasn't like any sort of uh, in in a state of undress, like. She was going to be chained up there, down, like by herself, and, and they yeah, even, so they, they even admit like there, there's a lot of blind spots in that room as far as the cameras no, go. So they need actually, someone down there. Jonathan, she's chained up down there by her, not by herself, but with a clown bodyguard that they got. <laughs> yeah, from a who proves like completely ineffective? Because <laughs> once the shit goes down, he just says deuces, I'm out. Like, Fuck he, y'all. Like he was yeah, the no, first that, one to get the hell out of Dodge. That's what I'm trying to talk about. Is like. 
he uh they like they disguise him as one of the props so like okay that makes sense he's a big guy but they got him from a gas station okay that's bad and then at the very beginning of the movie you see a guy uh in a clown's costume running out of the attraction they're like is that supposed to happen and oh, like oh, it's yeah, him. When, like with the fa- like <laughs> and, the uh youtube footage yeah and and the, but the, what I was going to talk about, though, is that there's a part in there where they're like, okay, we need somebody down there. And then Paul, the sex pest, is like, oh, I'll go down there. He's like, you want to be down there? And he's like, fuck no, you're not going to be down there. And, like, he was super serious. And it's like, okay, if you know he's a fucking pest, why are you st- – why is he still hired? Yeah, Get yeah why out. is he – why do you keep him around? And, and, and the thing is, is, like, even when he's, like, trying to mack up on the Melissa chick, like, even Alex is like, don't listen to him, he's a rapist. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, that's not that's not a good joke. That's not a good in-group joke. <laughs> Who's it's that like, funny yeah, for? It's like, Other rapists? in your group. Yeah, and it sounds like we're harping on this a lot, but, like, we just want to drill it in, like, how, like, terrible the character writing is, that... The, this the is like character... the most fleshed out character. Toward the big wind up, it is we we see uh, the the big wraparound. We see how the live footage of that night syncs up with a YouTube video. Cause it, that sort of inner space, you see the girl run off to figure out what's going on, and you see like the big uh, like the, you know this ghost man start like start trying to attack people, and then like all the the guests get out. And so it's just the people left. And I think at this point, there's, like, the girl, her, and one other guy, like, because... They, they, one they, of the more generic white dudes. Yeah, the one who's, like, he's, like, he's not a not problematic, but he's just kind of there. Because they run upstairs and see her boyfriend getting lynched by, like, the, the ghost cult people. They run back downstairs, and then I think Paul shows back up, because he disappears after a ghost woman pops up in his room, which is... One of the few actually spooky moments. Yeah, because he keeps like peeking from under the 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 covers and back. He does it like three times, and each time it's sort of like a weeping angel from Doctor Who. It just is in a different place, and it's like fuck. That is that was genuinely creepy. Then the last second, she's right next to him, and then like he gets possessed or whatever. And then the main, I think one guy, the last guy gets killed. I think Paul beats the main girl over the head and then she gets dragged off by the ghost and then he cuts his own throat with a piece of glass or something, right? No, no that that's at the very yeah. end when the documentary crew go back to the hotel. Well, no, because like... No, cause, that's cause what was, happens. Yeah. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Tells yeah, you how much I remember this fucking movie. Because that's the They'll, end of their footage. Yeah. That, yeah. Okay. Sarah, Sarah has... For some reason, she picks up a camera and she's walking, and then she sees one of the hooded cloak guys, and she's like scared. And then she gets to the end, she gets to the door, the exit, and uh, Paul's there. And then Paul grabs the camera from her and proceeds to bash her head in, but she's you know she's still alive barely, and she gets dragged off. And like Pat said, he cuts his own throat with uh with a um glass. Uh, I'm trying to think. Everybody, everybody. Alex hangs himself. Or he gets uh, hung. He gets hung. Mac, don't know what happened to Mac because literally he's up there and then all the people in the black cloaks surround him and he just disappears. He's just gone. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and then there's and, like another guy too. 
Don't know what happens to him, but he's dead. There's, there's yeah, five Tony. People, they, they all end up dead except for the girl or like and the clown she, man. Yeah, Tony. What? And the clown bodyguard man. He just ran outside. Well, that's a okay. That's the thing that's ridiculous about that is that um, well, technically him and the uh, tour guide are still alive. Uh, because because they had three people. They had Joey, Melissa, and the tour guide lady. She she stays outside the hotel bringing people in. Uh, she went somewhere. Joey, the the clown bodyguard, he fucking runs out, goes home probably, never talks about this ever again. Don't, don't they mention <laughs> at one point that the clown bodyguard kills himself? Yeah, because like he was like a, kind of a heavy set guy. Oh, he hangs himself. You're right. Oh, wait, he, what? Yeah, yeah. There's a part in there where they tried to talk to him, but they couldn't, and he ends up hanging himself a few days later. That's right. I forgot oh, about that. Okay. All right. And so, like, their documentary portion ends that gets cuts back to the to the crew and the girl. And she's like, hey, I'm feeling a little tired. I've been talking about this fucked up bullshit for a while. Can I go home? It's like, yeah, yeah, we'll meet back up with you. She's like, yeah, come see me in room 2C. And then, like, okay. And then, like, two of the film crew go to meet her. It's like, to the hotel. It's like, um, we need to see the girl in room 2C. It's like, yeah, we don't have a, a room 2C in this hotel. And it's like, that's strange. And then they get curious and just decide to go check out the, the evil hotel. And they go, they break in, and the main documentary woman, she's like way too eager to go checking out all this blood stained like house. And then they fuck around some more, and they find out there's a room in the old hotel, room 2C. And it's like, okay, they open the door and you see the main girl. She's sitting in there. And it's like, hey, girl, are you okay? What's up? And all of a sudden, the fucking cult ghosts come out, and then they just spirit away the crew, and that's how the movie ends. Yeah, and the thing is, too, when Sarah reveals her face, she's dead. You know, she died. Um, the entire time they were talking to uh, a ghost, a demon, I don't know. Um, like, I don't but in the, see, that's where I thought that was. This is where it was really stupid because, like, okay, if this is supposed to be a documentary style film, how the fuck does anybody have this footage? Well, there, there was one guy that didn't go with them. There was three people on the. The new... I know, I know, Mitchell. But the th- but the thing is, is how did yeah? But Mitchell how did they get that get... camera? Do they go back From into the, the hotel? hotel? Yeah, did Mitchell, because Mitchell tried calling her because he saw the footage of Sarah dying and Paul killing himself. That's why he was calling her, because she was like, I'll call Mitchell back later. And she, you know, declines the call. And then, like, you know, so he doesn't know what's going on. Like, and they're just gone, and he somehow gets back there and gets the footage and decides to play it over for us to see. Like, I okay, mean, thanks. maybe... Uh, one of their spirits gave the footage to them, and then they disappeared forever. I mean, maybe, because that's, that's true. how the woman, uh, the main woman in the group, gave the footage to them in the first Fuck, place. You're, God damn it, you're right, Sarah. She she was dead the entire time, and she gave them all that footage. That's true. Like a garbage um, sack full of videotapes. Yeah. So, uh, the only like I will say the only character. I'm sorry, I was going to say the only character I had any sort of interest in, who I think did a. Perf- fantastic job of acting was the guy who played Tony uh Jared uh Hacker he um there's a part in the movie where you know everything that's bad is happening and then you know Paul for some reason isn't responding or doing anything he's just possessed doing nothing nobody takes him to a doctor and Tony's like 
Tony's pissed. He's like, what the fuck? Why aren't we doing anything? Why are we still here? You know, he's getting really mad. It's a really good performance, in my opinion. And then he storms out. And then, for some reason, Mac is like, you can't leave, man. He's like, why? And then there's, like, you know, artifacts and stuff, uh, footage. And then they're in a really beautiful field during sunset. And he's just like, Tony's like, yeah, Mac's right. I can't leave. And then Mac comes into the camera, and he's like, they're talking. And they never explain why he can't leave and what's wrong, uh, I assume. And, and, And then on top of that. The Mac guy, like the scene before, saw like saw like the biggest shit up until that point. Because him, Paul, and Sarah go into the basement and have to deal with the fucking like possessed dummies. But he's like, "Nah, man, you gotta stay. There's nothing yeah. going on." W- well. When I I looked it up because I was curious, I was looking up Reddit to see like what people thought about that. Apparently, it it was supposed to be or might have been a financial issue that uh, Alex has their company has no money whatsoever, and that for them to cover any of their losses and everything, they have to do this or else nobody gets any money whatsoever. So like that was that, my thinking. It's like yeah. they're just a big like financial sink that they had in it and this is like their make or break thing. Like that's other than just kinda like, you know, the plot wouldn't happen if they didn't stay. <laughs> yeah. Something like that's like the justification in story. Like they have everything riding on this Halloween attraction and that's why they're sticking around. So like I understood that. Um I just felt a little bad that my movie wasn't really that interesting. I kinda picked it blindly. But oh. like like I said Going into it, this, when I was reading, had a fair amount of acclaim. Like, this, for some people, this was, like, one of their stronger uh, opinions for found footage. I I will Um, say, Pat, you shouldn't feel bad because even though I didn't like this movie, really, I still enjoyed my time with it, and I want to watch the rest of it. Yeah, Yeah, me too. I, I still had fun. Yeah, because like Colt said, like after it was over, I kind of wanted to watch the other ones. And like you said, like I want to see how butt fuck crazy this series supposedly gets because there's two more. I think they're working on a fourth yeah. one too. I'm not sure. Oh shit! I, yeah, what, I don't what's know. the I think deep lore I, to Abaddon Hotel? Oh, oh, it gets deep. I think it's supposed to be just a trilogy because the third. I know for a fact because I uh, I follow a guy who's like really into found footage. Uh, I wish I could say his name. I'm, I feel so bad. I know his name's Fred or Freddie. Um, Shut up, Fred. I follow. I, I've I his recently started Freddy following footage. him because I started watching found footage and he saw that and he's like, "Hey, check out all these other found footage films." And I think he was the one that was like, "Hell House is like really good." And don't get me wrong, it was it was fun, but you know, not the best. Um, and yeah, and he watched the whole trilogy, and, for, and you know, the third film is supposed to end it off, you know, completely. Uh, <laughs> it's bad shit. You're right. Um, fuck. Yeah, don't feel bad. It was it was still a good time. Well, I'm glad you all enjoyed yourselves despite the the dubious quality of the film. And I think that's a great time to move on to our final film of the episode, and that is 2005's Neroy the Curse, directed by. Koji Chiraishi. Now, Wenzel, this was your pick. Um, tell us uh, what made you want to choose this film and get us started on it. All right. 
Well, uh, earlier uh, back in September, I was like, you know, I'm going to start spooky season early. I'm going to watch some spooky movies. Uh, that, Like I was mentioning before, I, I just started off watching some found footage films because, like, for me, it's kind of like a guilty pleasure, but also I'm not really guilty. Um, I feel completely fine with it. And uh, this was – Colt saw it. He told me that it's great. I, I've seen it everywhere. People talk about how good it is. I was like, okay – I'm going right into this. This seems good. And uh, I mean, I'll say I loved it. And I'm and that's why I definitely had it on our recommendations for watching this. Uh, it's essentially a uh, documentary within a show within a movie. Uh, <laughs> the film has this guy. His name is uh, Kobayashi. He's like a paranormal researcher. And he's trying to make a documentary called The Curse. And um, that's what there's Roy a, means. There's just what Neroy means uh and he um he has a bunch of tapes and f- and, f- and footage and this show that kind of like goes into mysteries and ghosts and like you know uh the odds and ends uh, or the odd weird stuff within within the world um they're the one that kind of like are doing essentially um this documentary show about this documentary because you know the contents of it are what what's interesting and um so they get a hold of this footage because they just you know they get it they're able to get it uh from their um from i think the cameraman i i i can't remember i i've <laughs> i i've watched it twice and i still well don't really they, remember they, how. they say the the movie you're about to see is a rough cut of the footage Kobayashi compiled together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, like he had because, just yeah. finished it before his eventual fate. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um. But yeah, and then it just kind of takes from there of him trying to figure out uh what's going on with uh, some weird uh, shit called uh Nori, some kind of curse. I don't know. I don't know. And uh, for um, for me, uh, this was probably the most effective film personally, because it had exactly the type of aesthetic I was looking for, where it looked like a, it looked like an actual VHS, you know, tape recording. It yes, had, like, that genuine old tape look, and it wasn't like any funny like post effects on it because you know it's an older film. It's on the early mid two thousand, so it, that in itself wins it to the to the strength of it. And like, it's even though it, it's about this supernatural story, the way the, the build up to it to me, like feels really good. And like, I feel like I was the, like I was the most like engaged and invested of all the films with this one. Oh, same here. And, and there was, I, I know like early on, probably like the first like 20 minutes. Cause I think it's probably the longest one we've watched. Um, I I know it kind of felt a little meandering, and I was like, okay, where is this going? But then once once it hits its stride, it 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 doesn't stop, and, and it become it's it's the becomes the, one of the more compelling watches I've seen in a while. Yeah, especially when it comes to found footage. Yeah, that was um. That was something I talked. Me and Colt talked about extensively about it. Was that like it kind of hits that huge mark of like VHS tape J horror early two thousand J horror maybe you going into nineties uh, 
PlayStation, PlayStation Two, J Horror Games. It, it just also, really hit that like kind of like that that nostalgia, I guess. It also hits the perfect time frame uh, for horror for me in Japan. It's like the early two thousands aesthetic. Everything is it's set in the it's recorded in. 2000 so it's gonna of course have everything from that time frame and it just it hits all the good parts of my brain it's my brain g spot yeah yeah because there was a definitely a boom of j-horror in the late 90s and early 2000s oh yeah and this was just um fantastic i man i don't know like the more i think about the more i like it but i can't i can't go beyond my current rating for it very good. Uh, uh, um, I think we all gave it the same score. Right? Yeah, it, it, we did. A, <laughs> unanimously, a, a four across the board. Yeah, I, I think. Uh, I guess part of like if, and this is being nitpicky. So the like, only sort of issues I have is I feel like it did explain a little too much towards the end about what's going on, and a lot of times when movies do that, like oh, that's when the tension is released because you kind of know what you're dealing with. It was kind of the uh, problem I had with uh, the movie Us by Jordan Peele. But, yeah, like, other than that, it's like this really great, steady progression and of the movies has, like, really good, compelling characters. Yeah, like, the cast is pretty small and, like, the way... Like this, the, the way everything's interlinked feels very like tight. And then when when certain aspects, because I, I feel like it, it's a little funny how we're tight lipped about this one versus we're just putting it all out for the rest. Because like of all the rest, we we kind of want you to go into it and really see it, really experience it. Yeah, and, and of them all, I think this one's very dependent on you not knowing what's going on. Yeah, well. Because, because cause at least with the other ones, I feel like you – maybe not Troll Hunter, but but that that's like a completely different movie type of movie. Uh, a lot of the other ones, you, you eventually know where it's going. With this one, I had no idea where it was going the entire time. Like there are yeah. definitely like a, yeah. at least a few moments where I was like, oh, shit, like a surprise happens. Like I didn't see that coming. Yeah. No, like, for sure. And there's a lot of stuff that gets uh, set up really early on that, like, like within, like, the first, like, five minutes that comes back towards the end. Okay. I, I, ju- I just, I have to say, it, but like, okay, uh, I'm trying to think. Okay, I know, I know they said they're being tight-lit. I don't want to be tight-lit because there's some, there's just some stuff I have to talk about. So right now, I'm going to say spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Don't listen to what I'm about to say. Go watch the fucking movie and come back. But like, like he was yeah, saying though, there's some there's spoiler some, zone. Yeah, yeah. Go this ahead. Is spoiler zone. Like, like he was saying that stuff was like kind of early. Like that. Like that's what I loved about this. The pacing, the piecing stuff together is so good. But there's a part in there where we have uh, we have this little girl named Kana, and she's like on this kind of like game show. It's not a game show. But it's like a show where it's they're like kind of test out. Variety show, yeah. And it's like the Japanese version of Psychic Kids. Well, like, well, yeah. The, well, the, uh, well, the, the, the format is more like they have like current guest people kind of like do these like fun random things, and then like you said, there's a bit where they have we're testing these the psychic ability of these children, and 
and that's how he introduced to the to the, like I guess the uh, the impetus of the plot is the disappearance of this girl named Kana. Yeah, and that and that's the thing though that really got me because or got me chills is that there's a part in there where uh, they have her doing like you know what's in the piece what's written on the piece of paper and then she's able to get everyone right but at the very end uh, she does a drawing of a face and it's like that's interesting uh, that'd be really creepy if that was a face in the in their piece of paper no the piece of paper had three b e three some mathematical symbol and a and it was like they were like um okay uh, maybe she's tired maybe she's getting right and like that to me was just chilling because like no that's kagutaba that's kagutaba that's kagutaba yeah and like 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 you know you say you're right i i think that's where it kind of falls off for me too is that they explain they probably explain too much and i think they should have kept it more ambiguous and in my head canon it is because they they kind of again spoiler they kind of say that like kagutaba is like this demon but that was like that was what was interesting about it was like they they weren't they weren't too specific because because they They, say kagutaba sorry they literally said that um that the demon is just what they call it because they didn't have another word for it. Because that's like, for yeah, me, I exactly. didn't really feel like they gave too much away to didn't overplay their hand. Like, I feel like I got just enough. Because I feel like there's still some mysteries in the movie, like the little boy, like who or what he is, oh, yeah. where he came from. I think maybe, I think probably for me, it was just kind of, maybe I kind of explained it wrong. Uh I, I think, like, especially, like, some more of the ritual stuff and when it gets to the village that was submerged by the dam, uh, like, a lot of the ritual stuff felt kind of goofy to me and kind of took me out. But, like, like I said, that's being really fucking nitpicky. Well, that that's what I was talking about, too, like, was the ritual stuff because that's kind of, like, that kind of explains, that kind of, like, gives a way of, like, yeah, okay, this is how you kind of get rid of it, sort of, uh, which is not what happens at the end. Spoiler. Yeah, um, yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> because, no, because, like Pat said, there's that boy, She he's not the biological son of the woman that he was with, and, and you know, they, they, they still didn't give too much away about what Kagutaba is, because they say, like, oh, he's just... He's a force of mayhem, which was something else that was interesting too. Was that Kagutaba was something that arrived from the West, not which is completely different from what Western movies or like what movies have done, where like uh, where they take place in the West or whatever, where like they always say something like this creature, this entity, or something spooky arrived from the East, arrived from you know an Asian country, or arrived from Africa, or it's like voodoo or something. Like no, this was like this came from the fucking West. We don't know what this is. And um, and I, I just think that's interesting. And then I just think that, like, I like to think in my head that, like, Kagutaba, like you said, isn't a demon, but is, like, some kind of complex and abstract entity that's trying to, like, manifest. Because I, I think it's, like, I think it would be kind of cool, like, the reason why she drew Kagutaba instead of the letters and numbers is, like, kind of, like, a weird, like, this creature is, like, or this thing is so, like whatever like those symbols or numbers mean it's like they actually equal the entity like it's just so weird and complex and cool um yeah and then also uh one of the psychics in there he's kind of like a he's kind of loony or whatever he wears tinfoil and stuff yeah he's he's literally wearing (laughs) ectoplasmic worms yeah 
he was talking about ectoplasmic worms and it's like okay what are those that's kind of neat there's some reason they exist in the future but they also exist in the present in the past and they're infecting stuff like i don't know that yeah that that was to me interesting and then like um even when there also is creepy stuff like in the footage itself like there's a part in there where um where when they first learn about Kagutaba, uh, when he when he's um, when the psychic man with the tinfoil, he he he's like he's trying to find Kana and he's like, he literally says, "What's Kagutaba?" and then just audio you know starts screaming and then there's like an uh, there's like this footage of the uh, of the uh, Kagutaba mask and stuff like interlaced into the regular footage like an artifact that was really creepy this is just a such a creepy movie in general fuck it's so good yeah yeah, yeah. and and it's not like scary in like the traditional horror movie sense there's a lot of like images and the overall tone sticks with me more than like say like something like as above so below where it's just like, ah, boo, spooky, uh. Because there's not any, to me, it doesn't feel like any jump scare. Because, like, the, to me, like, the just the atmosphere and just, like, the slow build of suspense, that gets you worked up. And, like, more out of any of them, like, aesthetically, this feels like, because all the rest of the movies, like, hey, these are movies that was, this was filmed that was found by a, another party and we're putting it together. Like, the, the, the people in it, they're disappeared or they're dead and this is all we have left of their account. And just, like, the way the film looks, it really feels like we found this tape and we put it together. We don't know what the fuck is it about. Yeah, because a lot of, like, especially newer found footage movies have this feeling of, you know, they feel more constructed. And plus, that, that's just by nature of, like, the t- like technology looks really good now. So, like, you know, it's kind of hard to give it, like, that old found vibe when you, when you get, like, an iPhone. Like, it's not going to give the same look. Yeah, and there's something about, like, lower quality video that is, in some ways, makes things more terrifying. Uh, I heard the argument that, and this is kind of a tangent for the original Alien, the best and only way to watch it is on VHS on a CRT TV because of the lower quality enhances the horror. I could see that. Oh, wow. uh, but but just with the film like like when it sort of has like, had like these small moments of like okay, this is a spooky thing where a ghost is happening, like it's small but it, it gets you. Like when the when the idol girl, the celebrity girl who has like this like sixth sense who goes to like, "Oh, we're the celebrities of the week and we're checking out this haunted shrine." And there's a bit that was cut out from her footage because she has like this like spell where she freaks out. You see like this tiny like boy like shape with the Kagutaba face like off in the distance and just for a second, and that's enough to spook you. And you can totally miss it too, but it's like if you're paying attention, it's like holy fuck, yeah. And it's a little shit like that. And there's not many special effects, which I think works to the movie's favor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and sort of and when he gets to the, the the big like crescendo when he had the whole mystery when he found out about the about the woman and her connection to or like or like the slow like a destruction of all the people who were involved with the story either tan- like almost all tangentially so it gets down to like just the core people working with it like it, it's like it's really sort of unnerving how like even like it's just entity deliberately 
causing these people to die or like it's just a, just a sheer force of his presence just it's just malefic and destructive on its own because that's that's one of the mysteries Shit. of the movies because like he may not be intending to it may not be intending to kill all these people it's just like him by his nature is destructive so it may not be deliberately because the reason why this creature is even in play is because it was deliberately summoned to be used as a weapon at the will of the sorcerers that lived in this abandoned village. And then at a certain point, it just kind of like, you know what? I'm tired of this. But it's like whether or not it's purposely malevolent, it's kind of left up to debate for what you just have to kind of figure out for yourself when watching the movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because the people, the people who do use it, they're deliberately malevolent and they're deliberate, but you don't know if it itself is willing this to, because it, it itself seeks destruction or it's just sort of by its nature corrodes and corrupts and perverts whatever's around it. And it just kind of wants to be its own thing, which is interesting in itself. That, yeah, exactly. No, that was something that was like, that was cool is that the, the, the village historian or yeah, the guy who like kind of keeps up with some of the history, he was just like, they, they, they were controlling Kagutaba. And then one day it didn't want to listen. And that's literally when all the bad shit started happening. It didn't listen, so they tried to imprison it. And then to appease it, they did those, uh, they did like Kagutaba um, rituals. And uh, there's even a really chilling scene where like there's actual footage, the last ritual ever. And, you know, one of the characters, one of the women, uh, she's like a young woman in this video. She She's wearing a Kagutaba mask and she like freaks out. That's also really chilling. The screams. Uh, really got to me, especially with the idol woman. Like, I don't know that. Like, really yeah, good, and, and, really good and, job. Yeah, and then the woman in the 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 old ritual is the one that shows up at the very beginning of the movie in that decrepit uh, house that he goes to, and yeah, it's just like holy shit. And then, uh, and sorry, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say, like, you know, again, more connections too, because there's like, there's a, um, you know, she appears later at the end, and uh, there's like, the idol girl who's been uh, influenced by Kagutaba. She keeps like making these drawings, and so do all these other people, and like those drawings, uh, those little, they they look nonsensical, or they look like nothing, just like circles and lines. But then those are actually from the shrine from the village of a tiny rock. Like it's so, that was so cool. And then, ah, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Pat. And probably one of the most chilling things is when they get back to the village after they sort of like find out the whole story is that this, this village is still very steeped in the superstition that they have sides. That's cause that was a symbol that's used to ward off the spirit. They have dogs that sort of sense the supernatural and sort of keep, for like traditionally kept evil at bay and then when they go back to the village it's silent the dogs that were once barking they're no longer there and then you kind of go back to this the lady's house to, for the last time and you see like you see like the dead pigeons but somehow are harbingers of the spirits present you see dead dogs in the house because she had killed them all and then you, uh then you get up to like this decrepit house where you see the woman who sort of get the whole thing off. She had hung herself. And you see the little boy that she's with is hiding in the corner. You see the little girl, the psychic girl. She's like, she's dead. Like the case it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. Cause it's, it kind of 
goes to like the real like kind of a true crime spot where like a, a long little girl or a little child goes missing and they they can't save her, and then you you don't see it, but then you sort of told that as part of the ritual, this little girl was going to made be made like the vessel or the medium to or a conduit for the spirit that she was fed aborted fetuses because the woman was formerly a nurse in an abortion clinic. And that was like that. That was her transposing the old ritual into modern day to summon the, the spirit. Yeah. And, and then just yeah. sort of like, Oh, go ahead. <laughs> sorry. I, sorry. I, I'm very excited about this movie. I love it. I love how creepy it is. I was just going to say, cause originally in the ritual, they would get uh, monkey monkey fetuses, uh, but they can't get monkeys anymore. So they have to use human fetuses. And this woman would perform um, illegal abortions and then steal the fetuses, uh, pretty fucking creepy and then like the, when you see the final because you, you, the story wraps up it's bittersweet like we we know you know what happens we know at least what happened to the girl and there's like all these people kind of left dead by the, the the landfall of this case and but there's still one last thread to tie up is that at the beginning of the documentary we know that the main character the investigator his house burned down his, with his wife inside and he himself is just missing and then there's one last like set of footage because we have the a movie made of the initial investigation that we all saw, and then mysteriously another camcorder shows up with one last tape, and it's the from from the main character who's filming um, him after he adopts a young boy. It's like because the boy wasn't related to the woman, so he's just kind of like you think like oh she's kidnapped this boy, and so he's sort of like very sort of despondent and non uh, registering of, of like stimulus so <laughs> the one time where uh they should have just kicked that kid to foster care because um we see like the the the, the crazy psychic show back up and it's like oh there's something wrong with this kid we need to get rid of him it's like listen dude this is okay he's just a guy then like shit goes bell end because the, the main the, the the psychic escaped from his uh institution and he starts like beating the shit out of the main character and he tries to punch the kid but then like apparently the kid is like the the vessel for the spirit and so like he manifests and then makes the psychic like go crazy he makes the wife douse herself in gas and set her on fire herself herself set herself which is really chilling while the main character has his been bludgeoned to near death and he's kind of like calling out for his wife as she's screaming and burning and he, he watched the demon boy and the crazy psychic leave and then the movie just just goes up in flames after that. And, and then like Kana's in the corner too. Yeah, like it's like she, she was killed to sort of invoke the spirit and there, there's a really spooky bit where he, uh, at the end, it's, it's played earlier before of like the camera goes in like night vision you see for a, for literally a second like Kana's spirit surrounded by the spirits of the dead fetuses. Yeah. Which is like, ooh, yep. that's spooky. Yeah. And no, also like... the, uh, the, 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 the crazy psychic gets crunched up in an air duct and is, is killed somehow. Yep. Yeah. Uh, no, like, like me and Colt talked about it, like that end scene where he starts bashing the kid's, kid's head in with a rock, like that was already like, that was already unsettling. Then when the kid t- shows his face to be Kagutaba, oh my god, uh, fuck! Yeah, it was like the whole movie is chilling, and that was just like a great send off. It's it's a 
This is like of all the movies, this is easily has our highest recommendation. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, check it out. I I would have more to say, but the last time I saw this movie was last October, and this is the one movie I didn't uh, get to watch again this time around. SMH. That's I watched I one other no. movie because I thought we were gonna do it, but I suffered. But no one else it. got to it. Yeah, yeah I suffered uh, through it. Because uh, Cannon, uh, he he was also gonna be part of the show, but just because like like Liz, this last minute things came up and he wasn't able to join us. Um, he had picked the movie. Uh, we, we can just talk about it real quick before we wrap up today, just for us a little bit. He had picked the movie because um, he likes he really enjoys found footage, but. Um, the movie he's picked was kind of on a lark because he uh, because whether anybody if y'all knew I can't remember we mentioned the show but Cannon is the son of a Bigfoot hunter and he sort of to like as a nod to his quote heritage he picked a found footage movie about Bigfoot called Exists which funnily enough was directed by the guy who made the Blair Witch Project. Yeah, uh, and, it's, uh, it's garbage. It's it, I didn't have fun watching it. It was not good. Uh, it, ah, it was funny. It was funny in a bad way. Uh, I read uh, a plot summary that a small Bigfoot dies. Yeah, they run over the Bigfoot's mom and not the Bigfoot's mom. The 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 baby. Ma- the baby. They run over the baby, and then the mom's just mad and they're <laughs> killing them the whole. Thing. Wait, wait, hold on. Let's take it back. Not a baby, a Bigfoot child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then at it's the very, baby. the very end of the movie, uh, they, the Bigfoot mother drags the people to a pit where the baby's just or child is rotting, and then uh, she proceeds to bash the dude in the head. Uh, he runs away. Uh, he could shoot her, and he's like, you know what? Just kill me, make it over, end it all. And then she runs away, and that's the end of the movie. Yeah, because it says he said sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm but it's just Bigfoot. Uh, <laughs> it's bad. I don't know. That ending's kind of poetic to me. That ending's kind of poetic to me, Cole. Uh, I haven't watched it, so but I'll say it. <laughs> also, the Bigfoot is the ugliest Bigfoot I've ever seen. Hell yeah. Because the, the, it was funny because like, there's a scene, like when I was looking up the movie, like one, one of the clips on Google was like, you see like Bigfoot like, like literally mid jump in the air, and I'm like, did Bigfoot just like about to like Superman punt somebody? <laughs> I will say like, <laughs> just, just in terms of Bigfoot movies, this Bigfoot looked better than the Bigfoot that was in uh, the movie called The Man Who Killed Hitler. Then Bigfoot, <laughs> which that's a fucking wild ass movie, and maybe not in the way you think it is. I mean, with the title like that, you'd expect it to be fucking wild. Yes. That's the one with Sam Elliott, right? Yeah, Sam Elliott. Who, who, um, who like in the movie, the title says he kills Hitler, and then he kills Bigfoot. <laughs> I, I kind of want to check it. it out. I like and Sam which, Elliott. Which, and which I will say, it's it's worth the watch. Um, spoiler alert, um, your, your expectations might be subverted, but it's still a a pretty good movie but um i think we're fresh out of movies for the day and uh we really appreciate y'all listening today this is the big boy today we appreciate you sticking through to the end we had a good time watching these movies in one way or another and how would everyone rank these 
just, right just before we go? I would say my number one uh, troll hunter, second Naroy, uh, third. Oh man, uh, uh, as above, so below. Fourth, uh, poop, 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 pooping, keep tapes, and the last is uh, Hell House. The poop keeper tapes. Yeah. Yeah. I would probably say my favorite was Neroy, then Troll Hunter, Poughkeepsie Tapes, As Above, So Below, and Hell House. Um, mine would be Neroy, Toy, uh, Toy Hunter, uh, Troll Hunter, um, As Above, So Below, uh, Poop Keeper Tapes, and Poop Poop Pee Pee Tapes. And then, uh, no, excuse me, I'm sorry, Hell House, then Poop Keeper Tape. Oh, yeah. All yeah, right. Get that right, Pat. Vine uh, would have to be, of course, Neroy the Curse. Uh, number two would be the the Poughkeepsie tapes. Uh, number three would have to be, uh, that's tough, uh, Troll Hunter. Number four would be As Above, So Below. Number five would be Hell House, LLC. Oh, wow. So th- there's a little bit of variation in there. That's something I really enjoyed is like, because with a lot of the movies, we kind of, fall about the same sort of feelings and that sort of illustrated here but then like there is a, a good bit of variance as well which like that's always just really fun because even amongst friends we can have just really different opinions about the, the exact same thing and just see the same thing in different ways which that's kind of an obvious statement but it's still really fun to see that in front of you and hear it as well mm-hmm. yeah. so, so like, again we really appreciate you watching this today and I'm sticking with this uh, as we're going along on our spooky trek this month we still got more spooky to go and we hope you're along for that ride as well and um you can follow us and listen to us and anywhere online that we're available you can listen to us on soundcloud itunes google play google Podcasts, overcast spotify and any rss catcher out there be sure to like rate review, and subscribe on all those platforms five stars share us with your friends that helps us out just Puts in front of us new people, puts us higher up in all those ever-changing algorithms, and just keeps the show going, and we do appreciate that you when you do that. You can follow us on our socials on Twitter and Instagram at AYCH Podcast, on Letterboxd and Facebook at All You Can Hear, uh, twitch.tv.com slash All You Can Hear, and, and YouTube also at All You Can Hear. And lastly, you can follow me, Patrick, on Twitter, on Letterboxd, and Instagram at John Lost His Name, and follow my art on Facebook at John Lost His Name Art. My name is Jonathan. You can follow me on Twitter at J-O-N-I-I-B-O-I-24 and Letterbox at JohnOwnSon12 for all my pretentious movie opinions. My name is Colt. Follow me on Twitter at ColtD00. Thank you for listening. Uh, Don't uh, look at the little mask, baby boy. Don't look at it. Uh, Thank you for listening. You can follow me, Wenzel, on Twitter at WenzelWickney. You can follow my art on Instagram at WorldOfWenzy. You can follow my letterbox and Goodreads. I'm Wednesday on one of those. I know I'm Wednesday on Letterbox. I don't know what I am on Goodreads, but I have a link tree. You can go to my link tree, and it'll, those links will be on there uh, in the bio of my Twitter and Instagram. And uh, if you stayed this long, guess what? You're going to be paid off with a post credit scene right now. What? There's a post credit scene? What? What's, what's the did post- y'all, Did y'all see that in the corner over there? Oh. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Cole, what's oh. that behind you? They're eating falafel. Ah! What's Kagutabo?
and they and they, they, those those four souls were never heard from again. Good night and Merry Christmas to all. Good night to all of Fourth July. Bye.